everyone. This is Dubu. And this is B. And we're not your regular hosts. We're actually doing a hiatus episode for the Slash Report. And B, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a sparkly Korean boy band. That's right. There are many, many sparkly Korean boy bands, but we're actually going to talk about a boy group called Shiny today. And they are the sparkliest, okay? Definitely the, the sparkliest bitches in the business. For those of you who have never been in the K-pop fandom before, we're a little bit sorry, but sorry we're not sorry because it's kind of like we're throwing you into the deep end on the first day of swim class. We're it's sharks. A, it's a pretty intense fandom to be in. And if you're, especially if you're on Tumblr, you might have been K-pop adjacent because actually the K-pop fandom's quite big on Tumblr, I think. It is pretty big because there's so many groups out there. There's a group for everybody and there's members for everybody. Uh, there's a member for all of your horrible needs. Uh, let's get started first for those of you who have never really been into the K-pop fandom and actually don't know much about K-pop. One of our first things we're going to deal with is why is it different from Western pop? I'm not sure about you, B, but I grew up on pop. I grew up on Michael Jackson and Madonna and that era of pop, so I've always really loved pop music. But why K-pop? One of the biggest superficial differences is there's a lot of Asians. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? K-pop is manufactured by the lovely country of South Korea. So for me, one of the attractions of K-pop is the fact that there's a lot of Asian artists, which is good to see because we're both from America, B and I. We don't have that many mainstream Asian pop artists. Another really big thing about Korean pop is that there is a high, high turnover rate. I remember seeing some sort of infographic saying that in one year, in 2008, there were like 30 new groups. In 2013, there were like 100 brand new Korean boy bands or girl bands debuting. And I'm just like, how could you keep up with this? It's actually become a bit of a problem in K-pop because it's oversaturated in a way, the K-pop market. And sadly, only a few groups really make it big. So when we talk about a high turnover rate, we're talking about comebacks about every six months to about a year. I remember when I first got into K-pop and I heard, oh, blah, blah, blah group is coming back. I was like, but you were never gone. You didn't you go were anywhere. Me. I know, but they release albums and mini albums once or twice a year, basically. And the reason why is because their turnover rate is so high. If they don't keep interest at a certain level, they're afraid that they're going to basically lose their popularity. Another thing about K-pop is it's like a pop in a lot of countries. It's geared very much towards the youth. But in K-pop, if you're over 30, you're as old as balls. There are some first-generation K-pop stars who've managed to maintain a successful... Maintain their fan base. Yeah, maintain their fan base and successful career later on. But a lot of these new incoming groups, the ones that we're talking about, the ones who are saturating the market so much because there's so many of them, oh, they're so young, so young. Yeah, like, what was I doing when I was 14 years old? Obviously not becoming part of a pop group. I was like playing Pokemon. I'm still playing Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Actually, in that aspect of these 14-year-olds, what they're doing in K-pop is a lot of these people who get into K-pop get into K-pop through really intense training that they have to do before they debut. Because one of the things about K-pop that makes it significantly different from Western pop is how manufactured K-pop is. There's definitely some, you know, image fiddling and a lot of PR work going on in Western pop as well. 
but K-pop is like from the ground up. Can you explain the process of how you of how a lot of people become K-pop stars? There's technically two different routes. There's some people that are just street cast, like they're just walking in the street. Some talent agent runs up to them and is like, "Wow, you're really good looking. Have you ever thought of becoming a Korean pop star? You can just join our company and go into training sessions, and eventually you can debut." Which, from like an outsider's perspective, that's creepy as fuck. It's also super creepy because there's like because these talent scouts are persistent. They follow these people home. It's like we really want you to be part of our company. We think you're gorgeous, and I'm like, oh my god, get away from me. Um, the second way is that they hold kind of auditions, so like nationwide and re- most recently kind of worldwide global auditions. It's like American Idol. You get a number, you go in there for a couple minutes, you show them your thing. Not like that, but you show them. Your <laughs> You show B, these are kids. Oh my god, you need to edit that out. Yeah, these are like 10, 9, 10, 11 year old kids showing these talent agents I can sing, I can dance, I can act, I can do all this stuff. Let me become a pop star. I really am passionate about this. And if you're one of the lucky people, you get into like kind of like the training academies that they have where they, they kind of drill you to see what you're good at. Some kids are really good at singing, so they get. Uh, singing lessons. There's some people that they think would be a good actress, so they get acting lessons, and then some of them even get language lessons, too. So, think of it like Hunger Games, but with Koreans. Yes! Singing and and dancing Hunger Games. And some Chinese people thrown in the mix for extra flavor. Yeah, in the the global auditions, there's, like, Thai kids that recruited, there's Chinese kids, and most recently, there's been, like, a lot of hapas, I want to say. Half Korean, half Caucasian girls or like half German, half Korean. From what we learned, the training academies are kind of hellish in a way. Yeah, it's like 6 a.m., you wake up, you go to your training thing, you go to your school for a little bit, and then you come back and sing in a dungeon. Oh, goodness. That's actually true. You know it. But the reason why these kids are willing to put all of the effort into it is because um, once you hit it big, you hit it really big. I mean, there are random, sketchy, you know, idol training hagwans or academies in Seoul and stuff like that. But if you get into one of the big three companies, either SM, JYP, or YG, who control pretty much the greater portion of K-pop in South Korea, if you can debut with one of those groups, you're pretty much made because they have a lot of resources to back you and stuff like that. They have a lot of resources and they have a lot of stylists and connections with the broadcasting companies. So if you get into one of those companies, you're pretty much solid gold. So another one of the things is is that when you debut, you rarely ever debut as a solo artist. K-pop is mostly made up of groups. Like we're talking about every year, there's new groups and new groups. And most of them are girl groups and boy groups. There's not a lot of co-ed groups. There's some, but not a lot. I can only think of like two. Yeah, I can only think of a few off the top of my head too. But they're mostly girl or boy groups. And some have as high as 12 members. And I think in America, boy bands kind of died out in the 90s with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and stuff. Like The way K-pop is different is... First of all, gender codes in Korea are really different, I would have to say. It's why you get some super ultra gay and androgyny. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. And we're not saying that Western pop groups can't get super gay. I'm sure that One Direction has a lot of its gay moments. 
but a lot of things in Korea, things that we consider feminine and things that we consider masculine, some of them are the same when you translate over the cultural barrier, but some of them are different. And once we get into shiny, we'll talk about the concept of flower boys and the concept of having kind of like a bishonen image, like a feminine male image. Pretty boy, quote unquote. They are less hesitant to like put on eyeliner and glitter and like hold hands and they're like, I just and love jump my- on each other. Yeah, I just love my bandmate. This is, you know, a quote-unquote skinship or member I, if, if you're into, like, the J-pop fandom. That's what it's called. Member love. A lot of these groups, they're all one gender, and they tend to touch each other a lot. Bless. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> yes. Actually, because we talked about androgyny, that actually leads us to fashion, which is a big part of K-pop. Because K-pop, I don't want to say more than Western pop, but in a different way than Western pop, is so highly visual. I kind of think of K-pop as both an auditory and visual experience because the music video is an essential part of the promotion. When I think about Western pop, like Katy Perry and Beyonce, like there's some people who still do come out with, you know, music videos that gets a lot of hits, right? But in K-pop, the music videos coming out, if you're in the K-pop fandom, basically everyone from the group that you like is an event. We constantly see our tumblers lighting up every time a big group has a quote-unquote comeback. And, you know, they go through the entire process of having, uh, usually it's teaser images get released first. Well, First, there are rumors. And just to let you know that if you get into YG, never, ever, ever, ever believe their rumors. Because YG is the company that says, we're going to come back. 14 months later, we're still going to come back. So sorry about that. But we're actually going to talk about... Or about EXO. We're going to come back. No. We're going to come back. No. We're going to come back. Eventually. Sorry, EXO fandom. And you then, guys like, are special. Comes back. And like, Super what? Junior comes back and dances in the box. I'm like, what is this? That's not EXO. <laughs> I love them both, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but back to the visual aspect of K-pop. I kind of get bored with Western pop music videos these days. Yeah, it's like, like, okay, I hear that they're they're having a quote-unquote comeback. They're releasing a new song soon. That's great. And then we get maybe a, a radio leak. And then the actual music video comes out. And I'm like, that's awesome. With like K-pop, it's you're constantly in a fire drill, it feels like. You're constantly on edge. Like, oh, I hear there's teaser images dropping. Oh, oh my god, there's a 30-second sound clip of like what the song will sound like. Oh my god, there's a highlight medley on the freaking album. Oh my god, we're getting a teaser of the music video. We're getting a second teaser of the music video. Oh my god! They're getting a third time for the music video. Yeah. And then we're finally getting the music video. And then by the very end, I'm just like, I'm tired. This is 4 a.m. Why am I refreshing Tumblr? I've been overstimulated to the point of exhaustion. And once you get the music video, there's certain tropes that appear in K-pop music videos that don't appear so much in Western pop. There's a lot of face touching in K-pop music (laughs) videos, especially on the boy band side. A lot of looking into the camera and touching your own face. So, But when K-pop music videos are good, they are so good. And there's a lot of reasons for it. It's because the fashion is really interesting. With a group like Shiny, they have really interesting kind of androgynous fashion sometimes. And one of the great things about having girl groups and boy groups is that they dress them up in sets. Which I love. It's like being on the same team. I like symmetry between my groups. So I, like ha- I like seeing every band may have some sort of theme going on that unites them and it looks really nice so they look really 
what's the word? They look really, um... They look really polished, right? They look really, yeah, polished, put together. I'm just like, yes. Not always. There's some train wrecks that definitely come to mind. Well, it's a group train wreck. <laughs> yeah, everyone goes down on the ship together. It's a group train wreck. Maybe one of them comes out with okay hair, but everyone else looks terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sometimes, sometimes in the music video, I was like, three out of five ain't bad. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, even worse, four out of five look good. My favorite one looks terrible. I know. <laughs> and it just looks like a stabbing in the heart. I can't look at you. I can't look at him. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, but about the visual component of K-pop. So there's a fashion, and if you're on the higher-end K-pop scale and you have a company that has more resources and money, the set usually is very interesting as well. It's colorful and bright, very slick. And then there's the dancing. Oh, they're dancing. I, only my limbs can do that. I know, but I remember I was into Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and I, st- I still am. No shame in that. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> But yeah, dances like that where you just basically mime five, five, five. They don't exactly the height of choreography sophistication, I would say. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely some cheap and gimmicky moves in K-pop, and there's some ridiculous moves because you know Psy, who hit it really big with Gangnam Style, it's a fairly simple dance. But then you have groups like the one we're going to talk about, Shiny. They do extremely elaborate, complex dances. Sometimes I, like, unconsciously dance along and I find myself confused and, like, I'm not sure what I'm doing right now. I must look like I'm having some sort of seizure in public while I'm trying to do, like, I don't know, the ring-ding-dong dance. That's all pelvic thrusting! <laughs> no, I, I do, like, something else. I don't do the pelvic thrusting. I can't do that pelvic thrusting. Nice. Maybe I do that when I'm doing dishes. But anyways, so the dancing for some groups is really complex. It blows a lot of what I see in Western pop out of the water. I also want to make a point in that I used to be in like the J-pop fandom, the Japanese pop fandom. They also had boy bands, figures. And just when I hopped ship to the Korean pop fandom, my first thought was, Everybody is so in sync. Not like oh, like, crazy in sync. Every time they jump, they're all the same height, same angle, same degree. I'm like, how does this happen? When I watch the Backstreet Boys dance, or when I watch like cartoon dance when they, in their heydays, there was always a member that was like a beat or two off, or sometimes there's two members that are a beat or two off, and I'm like, okay, that's great, go Johnny's. But then I'm looking at like Shiny, or like even my old fandom, DBSK. They were so in sync. There's some bullshit dances. Like, there's a lot of what I call bullshit girl group dances. I hate to pick on the girl groups, but there's a lot of this, especially in girl groups. There's some of it in boy groups as well. But a lot of it is just, like, shaking your ass over and over again. But then at the other end of the spectrum, there's really elaborate dancing where all the members are insanely in sync. And the reason why they get so in sync like that is because of all the freaking training that they do. They work so hard. They don't sleep. I don't think they sleep. It's really competitive, just like basically everything else in Korea. Korea is a very competitive society, and they have to work really, really hard. I talk, We talked about the comeback cycles are so tight, so they're always doing promotions or they're always touring. And I think Western Pop, you release an album, you do some radio shows, you go on some talk shows, and then a lot of the money is you go on a world tour. Yeah, K-pop can't do that because if they go away for a certain amount of time people just forget them in korea even though we're obviously very biased because both of us really really love shiny but even yeah (laughs) can you tell (laughs) even people who are just part of k-pop and like other groups can't deny the fact that shiny is one of the groups that dances really really well oh god 
And uh, we can talk more about that later, but actually along the line of how ultra, ultra manufactured it is, it has, you know, a really intense pre-debut training regime. Mm -hmm. And then after you debut, you work so hard because you have this really tight comeback cycle. But K-pop, because of a lot of different factors, is really great at creating this kind of fantasy. At least the more successful groups, they're selling not just the individual members, but they're selling them packaged as kind of like a trope or a fantasy. For example, Shiny, when they first debuted, they're marketed as flower boys. And what we mean by flower boys is we're talking about young boys who are more on, oh my god, I think I said young boys too much of this podcast. (laughs) They're like young boys chasing after older women. And Shiny's first song was called Nuna no Muyepo. Nuna means like, for old, it's a word that Korean guys can use for their older sister, but they can also call a girl or a woman who's a few years older than them, Nuna, kind of affectionately. And no Muyepo means you're so pretty. Their entire first song was basically this younger man fantasy. And if you watch the music video, it plays into that too. Yeah, it's like, hey, you're really pretty. I think you're gorgeous. I mean, I know I'm young, but just believe in me. I'm here for you. Actually, a lot of people agree that that's still one of their best songs. The song is kind of timeless. Their most recent song has, like, dubstep in there. And dubstep, while great right now, it will highly date the song, I feel. It's like the synthesizers in the 80s. Nuna, You're So Pretty, that is kind of timeless. It's like a really nice laid-back R&B. Like, I still hear that song. I'm like, yeah, this is a jam. That Shiny got really lucky in, in that regard, that they went with a really strong company. They had a really strong theme or image coming out, the Younger Man Fantasy theme. Mm-hmm. And they had a magical, magical dance. It's called Replay in English. The dance for that song is really, really, how do you say, iconic at this point. For it's in, so smooth. In K-pop, yeah. So the transitions are so beautiful. The song itself is actually really charming, which we have to talk about the auditory aspects of K-pop, too, because K-pop is such crack for your ears. It's like if your ear had a clitoris, it just like keeps hitting it over and over again. It's just like oh the my pleasure God. centers. It's like the hitting the pleasure centers of your brain, especially if you really like pop and you have the strong inclination towards like pop kind of beats and stuff like that. Even though it's evolving now, I think like pop around the world isn't the same as it was 10 years ago. But sometimes I hear a K-pop song and I think, this is so stupid. 10 minutes later, totally jamming to it in my car. It's like me and Chinese most recent <laughs> I can't forgive you for that because more recent song is not good. But when I'm stuck in the car uh, on the way back home from work, I'm just like, I'm bored. I'm going to jam to this now. Oh, and then I'm like karaoke in my car and the car next to me is like, what's wrong with that girl? <laughs> so it is like crack. It's an earworm. Yes. Like, it's stupidly catchy. And you just can't help but like just jam it out and be embarrassing in your car. I think there are definitely K-pop groups and K-pop members in particular that have amazing voices and are extremely musically talented. There's some songs that I would actually argue, despite the incredibly manufactured aspect of K-pop, they do have, I think, musical integrity as pop songs because a really good pop song, I mean, pop means popular, right? But some other pop songs, I just don't understand why they became like that. It's just... Oh, like that nail that gets hammered into your head deeper and deeper every time you hear it. Uh, so I've been to Korea, and so has Beat. And we can both tell you that song that gets really, really trendy, you'll hear it everywhere. Just people who don't like K-pop, I think K-pop is the herpes of Korean music. 
Because just imagine everywhere. Justin Bieber everywhere. Justin Bieber everywhere. in the store. Justin Bieber when you're in, when you're shopping for groceries. Justin Bieber in the radio. Justin Bieber when you are I don't know at the doctor's clinic. <laughs> Once an idol becomes extremely popular, they do a lot of what we call CFs or advertisements. For example, a lot of the cosmetic stores use K-pop idols. A lot of clothing stores use K-pop idols. Yeah, fashion. In, fashion. In Korea, they still have uh, they have still have a lot of school uniform. A lot of schools that require students to wear school uniforms, so they use the K-pop idols to market the school uniforms. Back to the fact that Bone Fit in Korea and how saturated Korea is with K-pop, and how every corner you turn, there's K-pop idols selling you things, or there's just music blaring out into the streets. When you hear a K-pop song that you love and you jam to, and it's really popular in Korean, it'll be everywhere and you love it to death. But again, when you hear that K-pop song that's like a splinter in your brain, but it's really popular, you can't escape it. And a lot of times that eventually happens, and this happened with me with Girls' Generation, I Got a Boy, is you slowly succumb to it. So I could talk forever about what K-pop is and what makes it very particular. And one of the things is... It's K-pop fandom. In our notes here, our first thing about K-pop fandom that we wrote is Cray times a thousand. It can even be times a million, okay? The number of posts that I see on Tumblr or on like LiveJournal or even Twitter about some girl freaking out over how her opa, opa is like Nuna, but for girls to affectionately call boys that are a couple years older than they are. Including their actual brother. But the number of posts I see about some girl flipping out over something her opa did, whether he looked at another girl or he looked at another bandmate or he just looks beautiful. <laughs> it's just, this fandom is really intense as an older fan. Sometimes I'm just like, oh my, I can't deal with this right now. I can't care about how pretty your opa looks, even though he's gorgeous. Well, we do care about how pretty our opa. Actually, this is a they're lie. not our opas. We're not our opas. We're too old. We're all ajumas. Not our opas. I don't know what you're talking about. There are dumb things. <laughs> yeah, we're just too old for this fandom. But Shiny does actually have an older fan base, at least from what we were able to tell in Korea. But the majority of K-pop fandom is so young. But when we talk about crazy fans. There's so many infamous stories about the Cray that has gone down in K-pop fandom. And I've been in some crazy fandoms, too. I've been in Supernatural, where basically everything is moist. Oh. And- <laughs> Why should I say that word, of all things? I just made B throw up in her mouth a little bit. Oh. But yeah, I've been in ultra crazy fandoms before. I've been in Harry Potter fandom, which is also really intense. I've been in these really big crazy fandoms before. And this is not a reflection of all of K-pop. It's just that things get very heated sometimes. And then the outliers in K-pop fandom, they like shoot for the moon. I don't know exactly what's going on there. I think... The case that comes up that was super ultra crazy and the one that a lot of people remember was girl who sent a letter written with her, like, menstrual blood to 2PM. I'm so sorry. So sorry, 2PM. So there are crazy fans in the sense of crazy screaming fans who are like, oh, boss, 
on the sidelines, like crawling over the fences. But then we have to talk about something. Actually, a lot of people would not call these people fans. They would just call them stalkers. They're called uh, sasengs. And sasang literally means privacy in Korean. And these are basically stalkers. The previous generation of K-pop stars like H.O.T., Shinwa and stuff. I think it was an H.O.T. member who was saying that he found a girl who fell asleep in his cupboard waiting for him to come home. What? That's a paranormal activity shit right there. I would never be able to sleep in the same house again. Burn down the house. Oh my god. That's terrifying. That's like that. absolutely terrifying. The invasion of privacy is really severe. We can't get too into this because if we're going to talk about things, I can do an entire podcast about why they exist and why K-pop has this problem and why they can't get rid of it. But we have to go back to less crazy aspects of K-pop, but still pretty intense. The relationship between fans and idols is different than the relationship between, I think, Western pop stars and their fans. The things that fans do for their K-pop groups... I don't think Western pop fans do things like this. For example, they provide care packages for them when they go on radio shows and stuff. It's like beautifully packed lunches and stuff like that. And um, every K-pop group, not every, poor FX, but a lot Um, of the big K-pop groups, they also have official fan clubs and they have an official fan club name. For example, if you really love Big Bang, the fan club name is VIPs, so you'd be called VIPs. If you really love 21, uh, their fan club's called Blackjack, so you're Blackjack if you're part of that fan club. Uh, Fucking shiny. We got stuck with shiny world. That's actually the name of their first album, by the way. The shiny world. The name of their first. It's so juvenile sounding. And I just like, what fandom are you part of? Fucking shiny world. And actually, the shiny world is an abbreviation to Shawol, which sounds like ShamWow. It's embarrassing still. (laughs) I really try not to identify myself as a Shawol if I can't help it. This is why uh, I default to when they ask me, who are you a fan of? I'm like, I'm a Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia is the DBSK fandom name, or TBXQ. And it sounds much cooler than Shawol, okay? Oh, someone else has to do a podcast about Dombanshiki, because I'm not going to touch that with a 50-foot pole. Anyone who knows K-pop knows exactly what we're talking about right now, uh, because that is an entire can of worms that I don't want to get all over myself. I will have to take a shower after, like, that podcast. <laughs> Rub some cleansing water all over your face. Yes. Actually, I, with, with Cassiopeia, that better be like holy water. But anyways, um, back to the K-pop fans. So a lot of these things that we're seeing are happening are with the Korean fans in particular. International fandom is a little bit of a different ballgame in terms of the things that we care about, in terms of the things that we do. One thing that I love about K-pop fandom is fan chants. Oh, I love fan chants. It feels like you guys are united and it's... Kind of stupid sounding when you talk about it, like, oh yeah, you guys synchronize chanting when they sing, but it's so much fun when you actually are there. It's like another level of the song. I've never been to a K-pop concert in America, but I've been to K-pop concerts in Korea. It's just the sense of being part of something that's bigger than yourself is, I think, really special. What we mean by terms of fan chants is they chant the member's name and they chant certain parts of the song, and the chants are official because they want people like yelling random things in the middle. So the fan clubs will usually post an official fan chant, and that's the one that the fans stick to. Another thing that they do that I think is really cool is it's the light sticks. Not only do you have a fan club name, you also have a fan club color. For example, Shinies is 
pearlescent blue. It's probably more like a teal color. I know, they could have just called it teal, but they had to make it fancy. You can't, it's not, it's not as funny if you say pearlescent teal. Point <laughs> second. But uh, you get a light stick for your group in the appropriate color. I saw a huge concert in Korea where people from the same fan club sit together, not all the way in the front, they sit in the really back, you know, second level tier. And what they do is because all the colors are together, you can see blocks of their colors. And you can actually see how many, you know, how many um, shiny fans are over here, how big the girls' generation or Sonya Shide fandom is because they have all their paint light sticks. And it's good for the groups as well, the idol groups, because they look out and they see just this huge wave. And if you go to a concert just for one K-pop group, it's like being in a sea of that color. And sometimes they don't do it as often, but sometimes they do formations with their light stick. It's, it's ridiculous how organized these fans are. Like, I feel like this, that sense of kind of unity is kind of lost in like Western concerts because it's still fun, but everything, everybody's scattered, they sit with their friends, everybody's just jumping up and down and screaming whenever they want to. It's not as coordinated. And it's both types of concert experiences are fun, it's just different. A lot different. Because we've both been to K-pop concerts, we both highly recommend Experience, uh, mm-hmm. if you can afford it. Because overseas, sorry, they're going to remove prices. Sorry about that. But they're really worth it if you go to a really great group. So let's wrap up the relationship between the fans and the idols is different. Oh, we should talk about one of the reasons why K-pop stars in Korea are called idols. It has a lot to do with the fantasy and the image that we were talking about. It's so essential to market the perfect boyfriend-girlfriend. Even just in Korean culture, it's always important to act very humble. You always see K-pop idols just like bowing over and over again, thanking the fans so much. And um, we're going to talk more about the effect of the image and how that image affects, you know, fandom and actually fanfic later on. With the wrap-up with um, the infrastructure of the K-pop fandom... A lot of it's on Tumblr these days, and a lot of it's actually also on Twitter, because now a lot of K-pop idols use Twitter, and Instagram as well. Recently, Tumblr got a Korean interface, and I think Hecho got a Tumblr app on his phone, and I'm just like, no! I heard about no. that. I'm scared. I don't need to see them finding my Tumblr and be like, what is this? But you know Hecho. Hecho's from Super Junior, who's in the same company as Shiny. We both love Hecho to death. But let's just say Hecho is like the honey badger of the K-pop fandom. <laughs> he, he's like a huge Twitter troll. And he's just, he's just incredibly fierce. I don't know how else to describe him. We love him to death, but we're also deathly afraid of him. Yeah, so on Tumblr, because K-pop is so visual, it has so many beautiful GIFs and photo manips. A lot of the updates happen on Twitter and Tumblr. If you're talking about fan fiction, though, a lot of it's on Live Journal. Another place where you find a lot of fic is AFF, AsianFanfics.com, <laughs> I believe. It's like kind of the fanfiction.net oh. of the K-pop fanfic world, whereas in there is a lot of stuff there, but the content and the quality can be a little dubious sometimes. Not saying if you post things on there, you're a bad writer, but just, there's been a lot of interesting things we found on there. It's like Russian roulette for fanfiction. <laughs> yeah, it's like the chat roulette of fanfiction. Oh. You could have a fun experience, or you could just have a bag of dicks. Oh. Or sometimes it's, no, I don't want to say that. <laughs> this is a butt of dicks. A butt full of dicks. I've seen that before. I'm like, why is this <laughs> happening? Um, 
Okay, but we have to move on to shiny and not all the dicks and all the holes. But anyways, we have to move on to shiny because we talked enough about K-pop in general. I would say most of the fic for shiny still gets posted onto one live journal community, and the live journal community is called Replay. That would probably be one of the biggest non-Asian fanfics.com archives for um, fic. Now, we get to talk about the one group that we're going to focus this podcast on, even though we rambled so much lovingly and crazily about K-pop, is we have to talk about Shiny. My babies. Oh, my babies. So what is Shiny? Shiny is a very gay boy. <laughs> that's essentially, that's like the teal deer version. But, um, so what is Shiny is... They are a five-member K-pop group. They are part of the SM Entertainment Company, and they debuted about five and a half years ago. But that actually makes it quite a well-established group. It's actually amazing for a group to last five years, let alone like one. Usually, there's something we call the five-year curse. Oh and my like god! Your fifth year, some shit goes down. Yes. And uh, actually, this their fifth year was this year, and I've super been enjoying their scandals. Their quote-unquote scandals. Uh, I, would, I like how they don't care anymore. I love how they don't care anymore as well. We talked about their image and how their image was focused around being flower boys. And as they've progressed and as they've evolved as a group, I have to say that Shiny is much more niche and avant-garde in a way in the world of K-pop, even though that sounds kind of interesting because we talked about how manufactured K-pop is. They have a really solid fan base, but um, in terms of their music and their music videos, they're not as mainstream as some of the other groups like Big Bang, definitely. They are called a contemporary boy band, excuse you, not just avant-garde. And uh, yeah, poor Onu. He had to say he would, they were contemporary so many fucking times. <laughs> It's basically their PR word that they kept using over and over when they first debuted. What I really like about Shining is they work with some really interesting people. They work with Hasengbek. He's a fashion designer. And they've worn some really weird, weird things. Bugs. <laughs> bugs. <laughs> Plastic bugs on fluorescent American apparel tank tops. And I'm just like, what is this? They wear things that actually, because they're on the more androgynous side, some other groups would not wear at all. Like, they had a very interesting tie-dye era. And there's some instances where a member has worn, like, a mini skirt over their skinny jeans. I'm like, what is happening? Yes. What, is that a kilt? In K-pop, when you come back, a lot of times you know that people are going to do a comeback is because they change their hair. They dye it, like, a certain color or something like that. And in Key's case, maybe he, like, shaves half his head. That and in happens. certain instances, you know it's a comeback when they hide their hair under, like, bandanas and hats. It's, it's like, we're not coming back. I'm just having a bad hair day. I just like wearing this fedora. Right. <laughs> and we're all just, like, side-eyeing the crap out of them. But, yeah, Shiny's image is a little more niche, a little more right from center than some other K-pop groups. I would say some of their concepts are absolutely bonkers. One of the reasons why we don't need to do this podcast was recently they just had a comeback and their title song and music video was called Everybody. And we were so confused going into this music video because the teaser images were like giant church lady hats and then like military all, uniforms. Yeah, military fetish outfits. And like I remember someone on Tumblr was saying, are they taking us to church or prison? We don't know. Yeah, these things happen in Shiny World. Yes, and but, I was on Ed for a while. I'm like, please don't have bad hair. Please don't, don't have bad hair. You have good hair right now. Don't change it all of a sudden. And I have to say, the most what-the-fuck concept photos were for Sherlock. 
<laughs> oh god oh god okay so god damn you hasengbek because he came up with this and i know someone to blame right now because sherlock when it came out they were like half naked but not only were they half naked they were shot in this I don't want to say exploitative because it was all voluntary and they were okay with being naked for the most part. But like, like a 70s porno filter. Yes. I'm just say it right now. Yeah, it was kind of like had a weird retro porno feel to it. But another thing that was really bothersome about the Sherlock teaser images is that they looked so young. Their youngest member at that point was, was he 19? About 20 when it came out. And the others were in their early 20s. So it wasn't like any... I don't think any of them were underage anymore. But it was still, like, it's the way they shot them, right? Mino even looked... With his, like, permed hair. I just looked so uncomfortable. And his big, googly ball eyes. I'm and he's, like, filleting like, a, a bottle. I don't know what's going on. K-pop albums are extremely, extremely well done and beautiful. Sometimes the packaging is really unique. Like FX had that album that looked like a pink VHS tape. So oh, they're really beautiful. Great. Yeah, they're like collector's items, basically. But the Sherlock album, that album, when it came out, made me very, very nervous every time the next album comes out. Because the thing about the Sherlock album is that they use those really uncomfortable pictures they have six photo books. Five of the photo books are for each of the members. You know, one member has a photo book, and the photo book just has a picture of him. And then they have a photo book with all the members. But the problem is the album, if you ever look at it, it's like a plastic casing. And so you can see through it. And I felt so judged buying this album. I bought it off of Yes Asia. So thankfully, the only person that could have judged me was the person that packaged it, and they aren't looking me in the face. <laughs> Thank goodness. But <laughs> what a lot of people do, be include, uh, me and B included, is the only acceptable picture that should be facing out because all the other members look extremely young and like questionable and I don't want to get arrested by border control for like fairing like child pornography or anything like that is the only acceptable picture is the Onu picture so both of us have like the Onu picture facing the outside so when everyone like is looking through my K-pop albums like oh hey what's this I was like <laughs> don't open it you get into more than you bargained for with that album Surprise! But, surprise! Underage boys. Oh. <laughs> so And so the concepts for Shiny tend to be either completely fucking bonkers, or bonkers in the best way possible. <laughs> and uh, so every time they come back, we don't know what we're getting, so it's just gird your loins. Scurred your loins. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so let's actually get into the members, because that's one of the nice things about Shiny. We talked about some K-pop groups have 12 members, and then you gotta learn all them fucking names. And all their fucking hairstyles. Yeah, and then they change hairstyles, and you're like, which one's which again? I forgot. Shiny only has five, and that's great. Let's start from youngest to oldest, because age has such importance in Korea. The youngest member of the Magne is called Lee Taemin. He in my opinion, is, like, forever illegal because he debuted when he was 14. Oh, such a baby. I think it was 14, right? I'm, oh, there's also the whole, like, Korean age thing. I can't tell. It's like Versus 14, American 15. age. Yeah, uh, no, versus not American age, but versus, like, Western. Western age. In, in the West. We talked about Shiny being the super young flower boy group, and then he's the super young Mangne out of the super young group. And he's adorable. He's absolutely adorable. Like, he was perfect as the magnate because he has that kind of face where you just want to pinch his cheeks. 
but there was a very specific reason why he got recruited. In K-pop groups, members tend to have certain roles. Like, this guy's the rapper, this one's the main vocalist, blah, blah, blah. This one's the useless one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always that one. And um, Taemin, his role is he's the mangne. That's actually a legit role in a Korean idol group. You're the youngest. Yeah, but, but he's uh, also, like, the lead dancer. Yeah. He has some skills. He's a really great dancer. He's He has, like, no bones in his body. I can't, my, my legs can't even bend like that. And we, we were talking about the competitive audition process. I think he was one of two in the nation to get past the nationwide audition. So he dances really, really, really well. But in terms of his personality and what kind of person he is, he's, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like anyone who grows up in the kind of, like, spotlight and situation that he does can't turn out all that right in the brain. <laughs> So he's the super scatterbrained one. He's, yeah, naive and kind of sheltered because he's the youngest. He's babied by all his members to a certain extent, and he's very much spoiled. Oh, he is. He's so clueless, but it's endearing because he's still so cute. Like, he gets away with all this stuff, like being super scatterbrained enough to, like, leave his passport at home when they're going overseas or something. He gets away with it because he's so cute. They're so used to babying him. And it's just like, oh, don't, don't do that again. I think the entire group has a soft spot for him. Like B mentioned, he loses everything. They call, actually call his phenomenon in Korean magic hands. Magic hands. <laughs> oh, no. Whatever goes into his hands just, like, disappears. Another thing about Taemin is that out of all the members, I mean, they're androgynous to begin with, but this is the one where people outside K-pop, and not going to deny, even people inside K-pop, and even me, even though I'm a huge shiny fan, wonder, wait, was that just a chick? Because he's so pretty. He looks so good in makeup and, like, long wigs. I'm like, wait, wait, was that, was that Taemin or was that somebody else? And all the cross-dressing doesn't help our confusion. When he was the baby, they all dressed up as girls. But Taemin was the most re- was the most convincing girl. And Definitely, yeah. It, <laughs> as he's grown up, because I think he's twenty, coming up on 21, 20? I can't remember the exact age, but um, he's a he's a ninety three line, so he should be twenty. And as he's getting older, he's he's like, I want to be a man. I want to have this more masculine image. I want to be more manly. But I want to be macho. But then I he, know. Like, does some, he like puts in a, a, a sparkly skirt. I'm like, hey. Yeah, and then he ha- puts on like a sparkly pink skirt and like stage flirts of key. And we're just, we're getting so many mixed signals here. We don't know what to believe. I'm just going to go with him and say like, okay, you're just trolling me. I think he went through a period where where he didn't really want to wear all the girl outfits, but he's come to terms with it and just like, fuck it. I've seen some stages of him where he's just like blowing kisses at the camera and stuff like that. I'm just like, it's just having He is going life. for it. He's having fun. I'm like, go for it, Tay-Tay. Go for it. Get it, Tay-Tay. In terms of fandom tropes, there's two extremes when it comes to Taemin. There's like, he's the innocent little angel child. And at the other end of the spectrum, he's like a serial killer, which <laughs> V and I both really enjoy serial killer Taemin. It's one of our fav- favorite fandom jokes because Taemin has this thing where whenever the group does interviews, he's like completely like is zoning out in the corner. He's not a great talker, Taemin, that one. He has kind of like a hard time connecting his brain to his mouth and his mouth to his is, brain. Like we said, he's just really absent-minded, so he's always like zoning out on the corner. So there's like this fandom joke where he's just like thinking about serial killing. 
The thing is, if any of them were serial killers, Taemin would be the one who would be able to get away with it. Because he's cute. It's because he has this cute little angel face. And basically that's his relationship with a lot of the other bandmates is that they let him get away with a lot. They let him get away with things that they would not tolerate from any other of their members. They're starting to kind of catch on like, hey, you can't do that. What are you doing? But he gets away with it still like 95% of the time. Yeah, so there's our theories that he's like a serial killer and a closet genius. <laughs> he's just doing a grand social experiment on all of us. Oh, other fandom tropes about Taemin. Now that he's gotten older, the fanfic and the stuff has changed. But I remember because he was so young, he was definitely was written a lot as jailbait. Basically, it's Shotokan. Shotokan. Yeah, but now he's more kind of like a horny teenager. I didn't notice it until you mentioned it. He kind of is the fandom bicycle when he has longer hair. The Lucifer music video was the first time where he had long hair. And it's not his real hair. It's, it's a weave. And it was so luscious and so long, and he was whipping it everywhere. It was just—it was like a rebirth of Taemin into like a long-haired goddess, and everybody was confused. Like Taemin is sexy, what? <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, wait a moment, squinting. It's like, girl or guy, girl or guy, don't know. Underage or over or of age? Underage or of age? So many boundaries he pushes. Yeah, so the Lucifer weave was so luscious and so beautiful. And then he had the weave in Sherlock as well. But fuck that weave. That weave was super cheap. That weave that was cheap. And also, Timo was acting creepy. He was, like, pulling out chunks of his weave on, like, a regular <laughs> phone and offering it to his other members. I'm like, that's gross. Don't do that. That's disgusting, Taemin. Yeah, he's special. I don't know what else to say about him. He's special. He's a cute little snowflake. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the next member, the next oldest one, he's two years older, right? What line is he? Minho is a 91 line. Come on. I don't remember their exact birthdays. I only remember, like, proximate month. The next member is is Mino. His last name looks like Choi, but it's actually Choi. It's Choi Mino. Okay, so every Chinese member has, like, a title or an epithet. And his <laughs> epithet, goddamn him, or goddamn the people who came up with it, is Flaming Charisma. <laughs> not true it's not true oh he's flaming all right <laughs> in all the ways that we love most definitely flaming i'm not sure quite sure about charisma he's the rapper of the group k-pop has this interesting structure in its songs where we do the verse and the chorus verse and the chorus now it's time for the rap break that doesn't happen all the time in Western music, but it's just really prevalent in K-pop for some reason. They have that one dude who's the rapper, but... He needs something to do! Yes, and we know how we talked about that one useless member that every K-pop group has. Oh. That would be Mino! He's getting less useless, I have to say. He's getting, he's getting some singing lines, and his talking is getting better. That's very generous, coming from a person who refers to him as the tall guy who talks at the end of all the shiny songs. That's an entire fandom, Mo- or most of the fandom calls him that. You can't say it's just from me. <laughs> I, the thing is, I love him so much. I have such a sp- soft spot for Mino, and B trolls me for it all the time and makes fun of me for my uh, affection for Mino. <laughs> fun of me for the other, for my affection towards the other one, so. Definitely, but you deserve it. You deserve everything I throw at you. No lies. No lies detected. But, but um, yeah, back to Mino. Come on. Mino is the human embodiment of challenge accepted. He's, yeah, actually, it's quite true. 
He's so competitive, so 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 competitive, and it's interesting because he's not a great singer. He's gotten better at the rap, but in the first few albums, it was pretty. It was some pretty painful dialogue that we were subjected to. Now I actually like his raps because some of the more recent ones are they fit the songs better. I think, but also, um, his voice drops a little bit, so it has a nicer timber to it. Before it's kind of like. It's like a little boy trying to sound like manly. I'm like, oh, Minho, stop. No, but actually, I think one of the reasons why, even if he could sing really well, the other members have higher voices than him. Minho actually has a really deep speaking voice. Another thing about him is I learned from that documentary that SM did is、um, he definitely had a speech impediment, and he still lists sometimes in his raps. But I find it really cute. But definitely, it was something that he had to work on before he, you know, he became the rapper of the group. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that he's so competitive, even though we call him the useless member, because he does have talents, but they kind of lie outside of the realm of singing and dancing and you know things he's supposed to do in the group. And acting, yeah, and acting. Oh God, stop acting, Mino! I love him so much, I can't watch him act. <laughs> but Mino does have a lot of positive things about him. He's the athletic one.、Uh, his dad was a soccer coach, and he wanted to be a soccer player at one point, but his dad was like, no. <laughs> So he ended up being a K-pop star because that's like, easier. Yeah, he's like, Dad, I want to be a K-pop star, and I put my mind to it because I am playing Minho and I won't give up. And I'm like, Oh, boo boo. <laughs> oh boo. But even though we say that he's useless, and we set out with like the most love in the world, we honestly do love all of the shiny members individually. But you know, some people who aren't familiar with shiny is like, why is this one in the group if he can't do A, B, and C? Well, remember we talked about being street scouted. Mino was street scouted. Yep. And apparently, according to some sources, he was street scouted really persistently. I think he was in middle school when that happened too. So to add to the creepy factor, there's that. And apparently, I'm not sure if it was this one scout, but he kept continually getting offers until eventually he's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll do it. But the reason why the scout was so persistent is that Mino is. Mino, he's tall for his age, and he's the tallest one in Shiny. Don't ever believe the real height that they post. 180 blah blah centimeters, my ass. But I do think Mino's just a little bit under six feet, and he's the tallest member of his group, so it's more apparent. But he's also traditionally handsome in a conventional Korean sense. What they really like in Korea and in other parts of Asia, they really emphasize the double lids, the folds in your eyelids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has really big, wide eyes. A lot of us who really like him like label it as like galaxy eyes and like he's very cow-eyed in a way. Frog eyes. Or <laughs>、well, according to B, he's frog faced. But、um, <laughs> that's also a fandom thing, okay? It's not my own creation. I'm not、yeah. that mean. He's our frog prince. But、um, he has a really big dark eyes and he's tall. He was sold as the most masculine member at the group at first. He was sold to be the mysterious one, the mysterious rapper. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't work for really long. He's actually a bit of a dork, but he was definitely chosen for his looks. And I have been very close to him, not like personally close to him, but like we shared a very close quarters at this like fan signing event once, and I've seen him pretty close in person, and so has B. <laughs> and he is really. Good looking, in in a way that actually made me frustrated. Like no one needs to be that good looking. After a certain point, it's all like surplus. What are you gonna do with the rest of it? That's just you talking. I I don't think that 
Granted, he is actually really good looking in real life. We had the opportunity to see them perform in when I was in Korea. And this is a rehearsal. And at one point in time, he was just, as part of his routine, he was had to be on the ground. And he like looked over in my general direction or our general direction, and he fucking winked. And I like started screeching and like clawed at Dubu's arms, like Mina winked at us. And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "But you don't even like him." I'm like, "Leave me alone." But I need to have something, okay? After seeing him close in person, I'm like, "No wonder that creepy scout stalked you when you were a child." No, he was kind of weird looking as a child still. They were all kind of weird looking as children. I think they saw the potential in his frog face. Another thing is, in Korea, they make such a big deal about having a small face. And apparently, Mino has a small head, and this is a very desirable quality in Korea. (laughs) But despite how much we make fun of him, and we're talking about he was street scouted because he's so good looking, blah, blah, blah. He's actually really lovely as a person. Mino is very, he's try hard, but he's a really nice person, I could tell. Like, he's very modest. And he seems like he's very down to earth. And that's what I think when I think of Minho as a lovely person. He's also very self-aware of the fact that he got picked for his looks and that he's oh. not the best rapper and he's not the best singer, but he works so hard. He tries so hard and I'm like, I feel bad for hating on you today. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> Yeah, he's very respectful towards elders, and not not respectful towards bandmates, though, according to Key. Because well, he likes to troll his other bandmates, but you know they're bandmates. His um, bandmates are jerks sometimes, they deserve it. <laughs> he's such a sweetie pie. Out of the members, they all love Shiny, right? But Mino just really honestly loves Shiny the most. If he bleeds, he'll just bleed, like, pearlescent blue, pearlescent oh. <laughs> blood, because he loves Shiny that much. I think he's really appreciative of the fact that Shiny has given him all these opportunities. And, uh, oh, he's also good with babies, and this kills me. It kills me so hard. <laughs> it does kill her so hard. I heard her talk about this so much. He and the rest of the members are on this show called Hello Baby, where basically they took care of this Korean toddler, but he and Ki were the two who were closest to the baby. He just is very natural with kids and he just likes kids a lot. And, oh, it's because he's good with babies. That show is a trap. If you but, plan on watching it, be careful. I was a casual fan of Shiny when I was first watching it. After, like, maybe a week of me watching out episodes, I'm like, crap. I have, like, a gig of photos saved of these people that I was not a fan of until, like, a week ago. What happened? Not gonna lie, even though that show is so scripted and it's kind of painful how some of the situations are so manufactured, that show is what, what got me really into Shiny. Such a trap. Be careful. Be careful, guys. You might not never ever come back if you watch that show. Actually, before that show, I never noticed Mino. I, <laughs> I know, it's terrible. <laughs> This is terrible because I love him so much. I'm like the passion of a thousand sons now. But I was just like, who's that kid? But uh, it's because actually he's kind of conventional and boring. He's the straight man of the group. Yeah. He's the well, sensible one. He actually is the one that if there is a, like, I don't know, natural disaster happening, he will try to figure out how to survive. Versus the other ones probably die within five minutes. <laughs> Actually, we have to finish with the fandom tropes for Mino, because one of the great things about Mino is Mino loves older men. <laughs> His nicknames include Hyunghor. Hyung is a term of endearment that younger men called older men. Like, oh yeah, you're my older man friend. What I call that? <laughs> you're my older man friend. 
The hell he- that sounds like someone's peddling ass. Oh, well, young whore. Minho is really respectful, and he has a lot of friends that are a couple of years older than him, and they take care of him. He's like bros. It's like a bromance. I call him Manho sometimes. <laughs> yes, you do. Manho, but he's really, really affectionate, and he loves them. And it's really cute because I'm like, I can't. I have all these handsome older men being my friends. He loves them youngs, man. He loves them youngs. And that's a running joke in the fandom. It sometimes crops up in fic as well. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know what you like. You do know what I like. I do. I know what you like. And I'm, I don't know why we're still friends after knowing. Hey. It's okay. It's K-pop fandom. We can't judge each other because we're all on the same boat. And that same boat is heading to the same iceberg. In fanfic, the thing about him is a lot of the earlier fic especially, he tends to be, is it called seme in this heme uke relationship? If you're familiar with like the Japanese terminology. He's you know, the top. He's uh, the, the one that puts the dick in. Because his image is more quote-unquote masculine. Especially if he ever gets paired up with Taemin in a fic, he's almost always topping. But one thing I really don't like is, um, why do people keep writing him as an asshole? Well, they need to have some sort of asshole in the story. Like, you can't make Taemin the asshole because he's a baby. But the Mino we know in the group is, like, pretty much a sweetheart. Then we get to the thick, and he's just the worst. Another thing that he gets used as a lot is he gets... Cock-blocking! Yeah, he gets used as the cock-blocker. And it's actually pretty funny because in how their their official kind of, like, their formation, the way they stand, is usually, like, these two members are, like, on the uh, both sides of him, and he's always, like, in between them when they're talking. And so, cock-blocking. Then he was cock-blocking junkie. And it's- There's a lot of photo edits and manips and GIFs where he's, he's just, like, cock-blocking achieved. <laughs> he's just conveniently in the way. I'm like, then he'll get out of there. But one thing about Mino that has affected Fick a lot is when they first debuted, the image or the role they gave him was he was the cool, quiet one. There's that nobody w- that is cool and shiny. <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty much dorks. But because of that, it was like they had a gag order on him or something. He didn't talk much. So he was just off in the corner being quiet a lot of times. It's changed like 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Because now he's, especially on like more recent shows and stuff, he's like such a goofball. And he's a lot more open with his bandmates and stuff like that. Which is really lovely. It's also the fact he's on TV more often than like than the other band members. He's like always doing gigs where he's like a host of something. Or he's always participating, actively participating in variety shows. Or he's like just talking a lot now. I'm like, no, no, something happened. Actually, a lot of people like him a lot better now. Me too. I like him a lot better now because I feel like he sort of found himself along the way. One thing I do like about Minho is that he rolls the punches. He knows that he's like getting trolled on and he trolls back in return. Like He's very good at that. It, it seems like he doesn't take it to heart too much. I love his broship with Jonghyun so much, which we really need to get to the other members because we've been talking so much about him. Let's get to our favorite member. Yeah, goddamn you and Minho. <laughs> I love Mino too much. But actually, who we love the most is... His stage name is Ki, and his real name is Kim Kibum. And that's actually a really, really common name in Korea, so I'm not surprised that he chose his stage name. There's, like, I think two other Kim Kibums that I can think of in Korean entertainment. Uh, he's our favorite, and his uh, title is Almighty Ki. So the reason why he has this Almighty title is that he's good at rapping, singing, and dancing. But what's interesting is... 
those aren't the reasons why he's our favorite. Why would you say he's our favorite? I would say he is my favorite because he's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really shallow, but he's really, really pretty, and he's kind of witty too. He's the sassy one out of the group. He is the one who basically says whatever the hell he wants. And I think it's one of the reasons why people get a little scared when he's on variety shows and talk shows. For example, we talked about Mino's terrible acting. The other members are nicer about it, but he's just like, why would I watch his dramas? Yes, he is brutal. My favorite example is apparently at a fan signing, a girl asked him, Oppa, did you read my letter? And he was just like, no. <laughs> Actually, my favorite one is at another fan signing. This is when they got a um, endorsement with the Etude House, which is a makeup brand in Korea. They asked him, what's your favorite BB cream? And he said, he's like, oh, I like Misha. And then he had him stop himself and he said, oh my god. No, I like Etude. Etude's my favorite. He just sponsored a totally different brand from the one that he was currently the face of. God bless. <laughs> Along the lines of Key's beauty, which is quite legendary amongst us shiny fans, it's very interesting because I think Key has a much bigger fan base outside of Korea. We talked about Mino is very traditionally good-looking. He has the big eyes and the deep double lids, and he's tall, and he has a small face. Key does not look like that. The closest thing I would have to say that Key looks like is he looks very much like a Korean fox demon if it had a human form. He doesn't have the double eyelids at all. He has these really beautifully slanted eyes, and he looks so great in eyeliner. Right now, his eyeliner is just giving me life every time he's on stage. I can write a thesis about how much I love him in eyeliner. Another reason why I like him is because he loves cameras and he loves attention. One nice benefit of being a fan of his is that we get so many pictures because he takes so many goddamn selkas. And he got Instagram, so now he's on Instagram, sending us a thousand pictures of his face and his poodle. Oh, God. His poodle! Konde! <laughs> this is a very great encapsulation of the person that he is. He has an adorable poodle puppy named Komde, as in Komde Garçon fashion brand, Komde. And <laughs> what a materialistic bitch. He is the fashionista of the group, or in my terms, I call him hipster um, wannabe. He wears some of the most fantastic outfits known to man. He's the one wearing shorts with SpongeBob socks at the middle of a red carpet event. He's so prissy, and all the shiny members know it. Because I remember this was an interview in which, I think it was with Ihyori, who is a queen. They were talking about how he has so much clothes, he basically has his own closet in the dormitory in which most of them live in. So Ihyori, the host, was like, but you don't have time to wear all those outfits after you have so many. And Jonghyun just started laughing and says, no, you don't know Ki, he can wear them all. <laughs> oh, I picked the right one to stand. Even when I don't approve of his fashion, he's always interesting to look at, which I think ties into the fact that he loves attention so much. He is also as cute as a button sometimes. I think he's cute like a cat. I'm like, oh, I just want to pet your face. In my opinion, <laughs> Taemin is more childlike with his absent-mindedness and his cuteness. He's cute is more tongue-in-cheek. 
He has drunk eggio, which means that when he gets drunk, he acts really, really cute. And if you understand Korean, the way he, there's a way of talking cutely. And usually it's girls do it to their boyfriends or do it to the older guys that they know. But Ki, when he's drunk, he likes to do it to Mino because Mino can't stand it. To be honest, Minho is like Ki's boyfriend. He like coddles him and like pampers him and buys him shit. Okay. Which I love so much because as we found out, they did not get along for like over a year when they first debuted. And I can totally see why because. I think for Mino, hierarchy and age and status are very important things. Whereas for Ki, he makes relationships more fluidly. And when people are in their trainee days, hierarchy is extremely, extremely important. It's not just the age, it's how long you've been training with the company. And apparently Mino was there for longer than Ki, but Ki's like, oh, we're both 91 line, which means that they were both born in the year 1991. Minho is like a month younger than Ki, but Ki's like, oh, we're 91 lines, we're Chingu, we're friends, we don't need to use these honorifics with each other. And Minho, that probably destroyed his world. <laughs> Apparently they got into fights while they were still in their trainee days, but now they have one of my favorite friendships in Shiny, because it basically is a girlfriend and her beleaguered boyfriend, their relationship. One of Chinese TV shows, Minho and Ki went together to London, and basically Ki kind of whined his way into hanging out with Minho. And just watching that, I'm thinking, Ki can probably get Minho to marry him if he really... Yes! He could totally <laughs> manipulate and bully Mino into marrying him if he tried. Because on that show, which is a great episode, that's one of the episodes I really recommend of that travel show. Because they both went to London, and at first they're like, we're not going to hang out at all. We're so sick of each other because we see each other all the time. Like, a day later, Ki is conning Mino into going ice skating with him. Yeah, it's so cute. And then they, like, they held hands on their ice skating, and Ki was like, I don't want to go. Stop spitting me. This is your fault. I don't want to do this. And he was... Very tsundere about it. Like he was pretending that he didn't like it, but he secretly did. He's a total tsundere. That is uh, such a good word for him. He has this prickly exterior sometimes, but he's totally mush on the inside. That's why I like Minki now, because of the, the whole tsundere relationship with Ki and boyfriend Minho. <laughs> and Mino's not the only one that Ki has conned into doing stuff for him. I think that he got Jonghyun to basically buy him extremely, extremely expensive jeans for his birthday. Minho is a boyfriend. Jonghyun and Onyu are like their sugar daddies because Jonghyun buys expensive clothes. Onyu apparently buys him really expensive dinners. But Mino also buys stuff for Ki because I remember Ki saying on that show, Mino's such an easy man. I just asked if he buys me everything. I was like, you bitch. You're so yeah. lucky. <laughs> Let's be real. If I had a Minho in my life, I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> it sounds like it's not that hard. One of the things I find really cute about him is he's deathly afraid of heights. Yes, that's like the best thing. He on roller coasters or on amusement park rides is the best. He like clings on for dear life and he screams like a banshee. It gives me so much life to see him in terror. I'm a terrible fan. It gives the other shiny members life too because they strapped him back onto that roller coaster in Japan and made him go again alone. And we talked about how he didn't get along with Mino. And one of the reasons why is he's basically the opposite of Mino. Whereas in Mino is very athletic and loves sports. 
I can't say Key's not active because he dances so much for Shiny, and he's really quite a ferocious dancer. But he's just like, I hate running. I'm so tired. And then all the idol sporting events, he's just on the side, like cheerleading or like wiping Mino's face with a towel. Or he's just on the side taking pictures of himself. Key does not like exerting himself. He's so prissy and so fussy. I could never be friends with him, but I love him so much. He is a sugar baby, okay? He winds his way to get whatever he wants. He doesn't like doing anything on his own. He winds to the point where someone else will do it or buy it for him. And he's scared of everything. <laughs> it's great. But he adds this flavor to Shiny that I think is so essential. Because it would be so boring without Key. That is true. Key is actually such a great dancer, and he also has this weird ability. He has an eidetic memory for girl group dances. He just watches them once or twice, and then just does them. Overall, Taemin is a better dancer, but in terms of attitude, Key is so good. Sometimes when I'm looking at the other members, it's very much muscle memory, but for him, it's just so fabulous. I think this is the reason why, in the end, why we love him so much. He's just so fabulous. It's not like we want to be his friend. It's not like we want to date him. Definitely not. It's like we aspire <laughs> to be him. Yes. He <laughs> has charisma. And and he just is so good on stage in that he's flamboyant. He has a lot of flair. He hasn't really changed that much in terms of his singing ability. He's kind of stayed the same. Whereas in Taemin has been really working on his voice. And that's one of the reasons why Taemin gets so many lines now. Oh, another sad thing about Taemin, which we didn't mention, is that the beginning, when they first debuted for replay, his voice was still developing, so he basically didn't get any lines. But now, Taemin's voice is so good. It reminds me, sometimes it sounds a lot like Jonghyun's voice, except a lot smoother, because Jonghyun has a brassy quality about it, and it can get really sharp at times. Taemin's voice is so smooth. We have to contain this, because I want to talk about Jonghyun's voice later, because Jonghyun's voice stands out like a monument in a shiny song, because he is the main vocalist. But let's finish up with Key and Key's fandom tropes. <laughs> Sorry! I just know what is going to happen, and I am so excited for this. He is the village bicycle of the shiny fandom. In the majority of fics' bottoms, I think there is a bigger trend of key topping now. But nevertheless, his fandom persona is extremely slutty. Like, all the cum in all the holes. Oh my god. <laughs> you are enjoying the shit out of this. I am, okay? My favorite tag is Key Times Everyone because one thing, he, he looks good at almost everybody, even if they don't have anything to do with each other. Because one of my favorite crack ships is Key and Yuno from Hongbang Shinki. They like barely is, interact. There's more, I guess, evidence for like Yuno and Onyu or Yuno and Minho because Minho loves all the older men. But I just like shipping Key with everybody because he's so cute. And he probably can make it work, because he will make everything work out if he wants it to. Honestly, one of the reasons why I love reading fic about Key is because he tends to get the best lines. The problem is, sometimes people make him a little too bitchy, which I do think, like we talked about, he's a bit tsundere. However, I also don't think he's as bitchy as he comes off in some fic. Key to me as a character and the way I like him in writing is that he's actually quite vulnerable and a lot of his flair and flamboyancy is, is kind of not a mask, but it's a distraction. 
It's an armor. It's like armor. Oh, that's a great way to describe it because I remember in that documentary that SM did, they asked him, "What is key to you?" Because his real name, as we mentioned, is Kim Kibong, and he said, "Key to me is like armor," which I think is a pretty good way to sum up his stage persona. The reason why I remember the whole armor thing is there was another post on Tumblr the other day talking about how he uh, is really bitchy and is really a jerk and blah 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 blah. And I remember making a point saying, well, he is he is really vulnerable. You can see he has a lot he has a lot of insecurities, and he uses the flamboyance and the sassiness as a kind of armor just to, I guess, deal with it. And I like how people portray that in fic. I don't like it when they do it, when they overdo it with like the whole bitchy thing, but I do like it when they show he he is vulnerable. I like it when he gets the best of both worlds, where he gets to have some of the most hilarious lines. I know in my fic personally, sometimes when I write a key line, I write it before everything else because I just have a gold moment and I'm just like, this is absolutely awful. Who should say this? Key. <laughs> key is really fun to write. Okay, he's so fun he, I, to write. Even as a side character, he can steal the show. Yeah, I would like to see more development in which he isn't relegated to the female avatar and where he's less superficial in terms of his bitchiness. Let's get to our next member, who is Kim Jonghyun. Get <laughs> B. Do you want to say what his title is? His title is Bling Bling Jonghyun. I don't know who thought of that, but it is <laughs> second to flaming charisma. It is the worst title ever. <laughs> He's also the bane of my existence. I, I know. You know. You know how much I hate him. And by hate, I mean not hate him. You hate him so much you want to put your face on his face. I hate him so much I would put my foot on his face. Right after you made out with it. But anyways, back to the bling bling thing. I think he came up with it because it's so bad. I can't help but think that he came up with it. The bling bling <laughs> part comes from the fact that he likes R and B and hip hop. And when they first started out, their songs are much more R and B e, if that is a word. But now it's definitely aged as the title because they do like electronic music now. But if we're gonna talk about Jonghyun, we can't avoid talking about his voice. Because Jonghyun is a person where I can't see doing anything other than music. He lives, breathes, eats music. And he said several times in interviews that he loves living his dream. He constantly wants to learn more about positions, about lyric writing, bettering his voice, and that basically music is his life. He's repeated over and over again that he wants to compose in the future, probably after Shiny is over with. He's written a decent number of songs for Shiny. What's really amazing is that Juliet, which is one of their earlier singles, he wrote that. He was what, 18 at that age? Not a lot of people have a hit single when they're 18. His more recent songs that he's written, Alarm Clock from the Sherlock album is very pretty. The newest... Symptoms. Oh, God. Symptoms. Symptoms. Oh, my God. So the newest album, the title track is called Everybody. But nobody likes Everybody in terms of just the song. Everyone thinks that the title song really should have been Symptoms, which Jonghyun wrote. 
and it's beautiful. And one of the reasons why I like it, and I think it is better work, is because it uses all of the shiny members' voices really well, and their voices working together is really great. It's fantastic. I would recommend you listen to it. Another song of his that I really love. It's a really stripped down song. The title is "It's Late," and he previewed it on their travel show. But then he sang it at their fifth anniversary party for fans or something. It was five years after Shiny debuted. But he sang that song there in its full version, and it's a solo song too. So it's just him singing, and I love this song so much. But no one will put it on the album. Is that the one with the whistling on it? Yes. Yes, that one is really good. I keep forgetting the name of it. I just remember drawing him fantastic solos. So. Oh, everybody wants that song, but SM hates us, so we're never gonna get it. If that song got released as a single, I would download it so hard I would break the internet. Seriously, I would give up my left boob for that song. <laughs> it's so good. If I ever see you as as like a uniboob, I'll know why now, Jonga. Yes, I will have downloaded that song off the. You get him to sign your remaining boob. Yes, yes, exactly that. He likes boobs, so it, it'll be great. Definitely, he's the only one in Shiny who got caught in it, and I'm making air quotes now. Dating scandal. So in Korean pop culture, when you date someone, apparently this is a big deal, and it's called a scandal. He dated Shin Sekyung, who's quite a well-known actress. She's in a lot of dramas and some movies, and she, like Jonghyun, is also very short and petite. And she's pretty stacked for a Korean girl. She's very. She has a fantastic set of boobs. Let's just throw that out there. I think the whole package for her is pretty banging. I mean, when it came out that he was dating her, I think I was more jealous of him. Because I would never want to date Jonghyun. That would just be <laughs> so full of regret. The walk of shame would literally like kill me. Okay, so <laughs> I make fun of B so badly. For actually, I make fun of all hardcore blingers. Because sorry for Jonghyun fans, because you guys are called blingers. Taemin's fans are Taemin's. Key's fans are Lockets. Mino's fans are Flamers. So I'm a flamer. That doesn't make me that much better. <laughs> Flamers are worse than blingers, okay? <laughs> and Onu's fans are called MVPs because of that one MVP line in their debut song. But anyways, all you blingers out there, I feel so sorry for you because you guys are just like eternally sexually frustrated by this dumbass. Standing him in particular does have its rewards though because Jonghyun has PhD level fan service skills. He's the one who's like showing off his bod. Recently, during one of their music shows, was just like going out and hanging out with the fans. One of the most famous things is there's a Korean website called UFO where fans can leave messages for the shiny members. Once in a while, Jonghyun will go on there and leave these super cheesy replies. One of his fans will be like, "Oh, Jonghyun, I miss you," and he'll be like, "I miss you too, Jagia," which means like honey in Korean. And I'm just like, "Oh, kill me with fire! I can't do this." Not only does Jonghyun troll on UFO, he also trolls on Twitter. His recent thing is to is to watch Mino's drama and say, "Mino, I'm watching you now. I'm watching rebroadcast. You guys should watch this." Oh, Mino, you're so handsome today. <laughs> Didn't he also host like a Photoshop Mino contest? Yes, that's the best one. <laughs> this troll. His Twitter is—I'm not joking when I say his Twitter is like 25% food and his dog, 25% trolling Mino, and then like the other 50% is just like stupid selkas. As much as I make fun of him, and 
B and I both call him stupid and dumb because he's kind of dumb in like a golden retriever head sticking out of the car window kind of way. But one of the things I will admit, if you twist my arm, is a lot of his lack of intelligence, I really think that's like obfuscating stupidity. To hide the fact that he's actually really intelligent, I'm pretty sure that he would fail out of algebra. Let's not kid ourselves. But his intelligence is a lot more creatively centered in terms of composing music. But also, I remember he has a very cerebral way of attaching his songs he really thinks about the way he needs to approach a song and what his voice should do to the song. I really appreciate that because he does have one of the best voices in Shiny. And also, I would argue he has one of the best voices in K-pop. The way he sings is kind of similar to a lot of the way the other SM artists sing. But that, I think, is because they were all trained by the same people. However, his voice has a very distinct color to it. He's really expressive when he sings, sometimes a little too expressive because... One thing I really love about Jong Hyun is he cries a lot. <laughs> I love it when he cries. He hasn't done it in a long time. I'm sad because it's so cute to just see him just like being coddled by the other members and then especially Minho. One of my favorite pictures ever is I think they won for Juliet and Jong Hyun just lost it. He was hyperventilating basically. He was crying so hard. And then so Mino goes over and bro hugs him and there's a great picture of Jong Hyun basically sobbing into Mino's chest and Mino looking stoically off into the distance. I am conflicted. Half the time just like, oh baby, I want to hug you. The other time I'm just like laughing at him because it's hysterical. Is it bad that every time they win big at a worth, I, I hope that he cries? Jonghyun hasn't been crying as much recently. The last huge breakdown I can remember Jonghyun having is when he won against Yesung for that show Immortal Song. He won, and then he just started crying. I'm just like, but you won! He's so full of feels. He's just so full of feelings. He's a tiny little muscular man full of feelings for music and for his dog. One of the great things about Jonghyun is I love singers like this. I like Kristen Chenoweth and I like some other singers who are just tiny physically, but they have this huge voice inside of them. And Jonghyun's like that. How tall is he? I would put him at 5'6". I think that's his real height. And he wears some super embarrassing insoles, this guy. He wears super embarrassing insoles and man heels on top of that. And he still so barely reaches Minho's ears. That's hilarious. He's tiny, but I have to say, in shiny, I think he's the sexiest. And I say this with a <laughs> not a very positive note in my voice. Because as I said, I shame blingers all the time for standing this dude. What I mean by he's sexy, and it's not an opinion, it's a fact. I think he's the most sexual in Shiny. I think he's the most okay with exposing his body. Really famous example that comes up is Internet War. Oh, how do you explain Internet War, B? Gay. <laughs> so gay. I love it. Everyone <laughs> I does. Like, I even like came in it. It's so gay and so aggressively sexual. It's just, ugh. So, in Internet War, it's a Sotaeji song, which is an older K-pop singer, but Jonghyun covered it. I remember when it first happened, everyone went nuts, because he comes out, and he's like in these tight, tight, skinny jeans, and his ridiculous shoes with the 
that has <laughs> such a huge heel on them because he's so tiny. But he worked out like crazy for this performance, and he's like super ripped. But not only is he super ripped, he has all these fake tattoos of his fan club names all over his back. And then he's like all greased up. And the thing is, I remember there is a girl. He's like doing push-ups backstage to get all his muscles all pumped for the performance, right? There's this random intern or someone who's just like spraying him down while he's doing all these push-ups. And I'm just like, how do you get that job? I, I don't know, but I want it. <laughs> if it can be an unpaid job, I don't care. I just want to spray him. Put that on your CV. What did you do? I greased up K-pop stars. <laughs> but the real controversial thing was not his nudity. It was the fact that Taemin, who's fully dressed in this performance, they start singing together. And the song, I think, itself is about internet censorship or something like that. But at the end, they get really close to each other and Taemin is like rubbing all up on Jonghyun. And Jonghyun is like, he looks like he could burn a hole through Taemin. They get so aggressive. There's hair pulling. There's, like, grabbing of Jonghyun's belt. They get in each other's faces. I don't think anybody really is paying attention to the song. No. <laughs> Nobody is paying attention to the song. Not at that wow. point. What I love, love, love about Jonghyun is apparently he got in trouble for the performance because it was too provocative. So he basically posted on his Twitter, a sorry, I'm not sorry apology. And then he changed his Twitter account profile picture to him and Taemin handcuffed together at the end of that performance. I'm just like, I love you. I like he to pretend that I don't, but I do. Dubu with Jonghyun is like me and Nino. I like to poke fun of Jonghyun, but it's not like I dislike him. It's just I'm just like perpetually exasperated with Jonghyun. Uh, one of the reasons, personally, why I think that Jonghyun is really attractive to a lot of fangirls and even fanboys is that he's sexy without being sexually threatening. Because he's sexy in the sense that, you know, he's all, like, greased up for our pleasure, I guess. But he's so short that you can't really... <laughs> he's pretty tiny. And he's actually dumb and derpy. And it's not threatening because it's like, oh, what a cute puppy. His nickname in the fandom is Dino Puppy. <laughs> Apparently he looks like a dinosaur in the face. But he also looks like a puppy. He has very he is very puppyish in his demeanor, I would say. And his eyes. He has really, really powerful puppy eyes. One thing I think is cute is his Korean nickname is Jong. It has the stressed double J sound. And Jong is basically a puppy name or like it sounds like a dog's name in Korean. In fic, he like he tends to be pretty slutty in the fic, but he tends to be the person who tops. And he is almost always the person pursuing someone else. I think the reason why Jolhyun is as, I guess, quote-unquote, slutty as he is that he's very, and it's like that's in real life, he's very um, comfortable with his sexuality, and so he chases after everything. Not Like a dog. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> Not only does he chase after everything, but Jonghyun in real life also is the only member who is not horribly, horribly awkward with women. And I think it has to do with the fact that he has a real Nuna, he has a real older sister, and he had a smoking hot girlfriend. The other members, when they're like trying to be romantic or flirt with girls, it's so bad. I want to claw my face off. It's so painful to watch. But Jonghyun is quite natural with women. 
And the reason why I think he's always the one pursuing someone else in fic is that I think he's super easy. So if someone pursued him in a fic, he'd be like, okay, let's pay. <laughs> I haven't tried that, but no. <laughs> he's like more of the sensitive one as well. I think he's a very romantic soul in a way. When I do fic profiles of them as characters, for him, I think his character is usually the one who's like, do you believe in love at first sight? Do you believe in true love? For his answers, I always put yes, because that's the kind of feeling I get from him. Jonghyun is just a very romantic soul. Is that one of the things I really like about him? Not that he doesn't have his douchier moments, like apparently when they go overseas, because he's still concentrating on bulking up for his internet war extravaganza. I remember Key complaining once, he's like, even when we go overseas at hotels, he has to eat his goddamn chicken breasts. It's like, he sends people out overseas to buy goddamn chicken breasts. And I remember Jonghyun standing next to him, like, looking super pleased. And the host of that show was like, you look so smug with yourself and so happy. He's like, yeah, of course I'm happy. That was the first time I heard people say, oh, Oh, his abs look photoshopped. To be fair, I think he is whining the way he would is because if Jonghyun is sending people out for chicken breast, I mean, there's less per- one less person out for key to bully him to get anything else for himself. True, true. All right, let's get to our last shiny member. So, Onyu's real name is Lee Jinggi. I've spoken to some Korean people about this. Jinggi is a strange or rare name in Korean. It definitely doesn't sound like a stage name. Onu is his stage name, and I can't remember the exact translation for it, but it basically means, like, gentle. And Onu's nickname is Dubu, which is the name that I chose as a shiny writer. And he's called Dubu because he has a soft voice, but also a very soft personality. Onyu is basically very squishy. There's no, I haven't found anybody that dislikes Onyu. I remember on something stupid like K-pop secret meme or something like that. You know how usually there's someone say unpopular opinion, but I think Mino's a douche, or I think Jonghyun isn't really a great singer or something like that. And then there's usually people in the comments going, "Yeah, I totally agree with you." But somebody wrote, "I don't really understand the big point about Onyu. He's not that special." And the entire comment section was like, "You." Take that back. I will cut you. <laughs> Everybody loves Onyu, and I can understand why. I totally get it. He's the leader of Shiny, and he's a leader, I think, because basically he's the oldest. And one of his most charming personality aspects is just the fact that he's so awkward and he's kind of lame. He's just a huge dork. Onyu is a really big dork. Like he's clumsy, he like makes all these really, I call it, they used to be called lame jokes, but I call them dad jokes now. He makes really cheesy, stupid puns, and he just acts like a big goofball. And also, he, he gets a lot of respect because he is, like Mino, very respectful, very down to earth. My douche radar never blips around Onu. Sometimes when he was like, Andrew, I get confused, I'm like, no, you're just being really hot. <laughs> Not douche vibes, you're just being really hot. Andrew is his persona for, I think, was it School of Rock? He did some kind of rock-themed musical. Uh, rock we, of Ages. Rock of Ages, sorry. We need to talk about Onu's voice, because I honestly think that Onu has one of the most underappreciated voices in K-pop. Yes, let's talk about his beautiful, his beautiful voice. Onyu has a tendency to kind of like step back and let his members take the spotlight because he lo- he's kind of selfless in that way. But his voice, it is so beautiful. He has a softer voice 
although it has surprising strength, in my opinion, it's not as robust as Zhonghan's voice. Zhonghan's voice hits you with a lot of force, but Oni's voice doesn't do that as much. I think the color of Oni's voice is softer. Taemin's voice is more wispy. Oni sings trot. It's a genre of Korean music that's influenced by Japanese enka. Onu sings trot so well. He has the perfect voice for trot. And trot is like an old people genre in Korea. It's not really it's not really of the modern era anymore. But if Onu had a solo trot album, I would buy it. Onu singing trot is like one of the best things ever because he gets really into it. It's, you would never think of it when you hear his voice, but his voice sounds really good in trot. There's just so many things about Onyu that are surprising. He's kind of a special snowflake. He has the weirdest Twitter account. Even his Korean fans, because he only tweets in Korean, don't understand what the hell is going on with his Twitter. Nobody knows what he's talking about. It's just something random, like, I don't even remember any of his tweets because they're so weird. Every time he has a new tweet, there's usually, like, some Da Vinci Code level, like, decryption that needs to happen. We just don't know what he's saying. I think that if Onu was not a singer, he would have a really kooky job. He would be like an astrophysicist or just something very kind of left field. He's smart, definitely. And not like how I said Jonghyun is very creatively intelligent. Onu was second in his class during high school, I believe. Onu is very book smart and... And you probably wouldn't see that because he has a tendency to keep that on the down low. There's just so many things about him that still surprise me. The other members, a lot of their behavior is kind of predictable, but a lot of things that Onu does, I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) All of his unique talents are weird things like he can spin a laptop on his finger without dropping it. (laughs) He can crack walnuts solely with his middle finger. And Dream Girl... The music video where they use mic stands as props, he turned out to be the one who's the best at spinning the mic stands, so they gave him a more elaborate routine. Onu is just a grab bag, I think. Another thing that has surprised me recently, it's a very pleasant surprise, is Onu's sense of fashion has suddenly gone through the roof. There's something called airport fashion in K-pop where people would dissect what the stars wear when they go to the airport. And so you see... He and Jonghyun with their douchey designer clothes and Minho dressing like a Amber Company pitch model. Not naked, but like preppy. Onyu used to wear like these baggy sweatpants, these baggy sweatshirts. Onyu used to look like the hobo in the group. <laughs> he was the hobo and suddenly, recently, he turns up in like really nice clothes. And it's confusing because I'm not used to thinking about you in a damn, you look good kind of way. I'm used to thinking you, of you like, oh, you're so cute, you're so sweet. Onyu is just a big grab bag, like, you don't know what he's going to do next. It's kind of really exciting, actually. I also think, and this is what makes Onyu, in my opinion, the hardest one to write, he is the most different from his stage persona. His stage persona is that he's this nice, endearing guy. And I'm not saying that he's not, but I think he still keeps a lot of things close to the chest. Onyu and Jinky are very similar because they are the same person, but they're also very different. I think Jinky is more of an enigma. And I think that out of the shiny members, Onyu is the most private in a way. Onyu definitely is the most private. Because I remember reading somewhere that 
a lot of his friends are non-celebrities or people he's known since high school or from middle school. Whereas you see Jolyon or Ki or Minho or even Taemin with their celebrity friends, like, you don't hear a lot about Unyu's public friendships. Like, say for a couple of them, like, he's friends of Lee Jun from M Black, but that's about it. He keeps his private life very much separate. When Onu is friends with a celebrity, he's always friends with the one celebrity you never think he would be friends with. And that goes along with how we think that he's full of surprises and there's still a lot about Onu that we don't quite know. But from what we do know, he's just so lovely. And not only is he lovely, he's very well loved. Like, even if you're not an Onu stan, everyone still likes Onu. And since we've talked about his personality and how gentle and how nice he is, I think one of the funniest things about the fandom tropes about Onu is that apparently he has what was known as Dubulge. <laughs> so oh yes, the Dubulge. The mythic Dubulge. So Dubulge comes from Dubu, which is Onu's nickname. Dubu means tofu, by the way, in Korean. And it also comes from the word, obviously, bulge. Because because Shiny is known for wearing very, very, very tight skinny jeans. And sometimes Onis are so tight that we see quite a lot of bulge. And and it tends to be... have a surprising mass to it. It's surprisingly eye-catching. <laughs> so... <laughs> so it's thick. But also when people joke, because there are memes about this, he's... The one with the giant dick. <laughs> if I had to summarize Onu's fandom tropes in just a few words, it would be giant penis and a chicken. <laughs> That's <laughs> basically it. Because the other huge fandom joke about Onu is that he loves fried chicken. Well, he loves chicken, I think, in all forms. But in particular, he really loves fried chicken. And this kid does love fried chicken. And anyone who's eaten Korean fried chicken... They would probably sympathize because Korean fried chicken is delicious. Shiny has actually filmed commercials for a well-known Korean fried chicken company. And Onu was basically in heaven. I think the reason why Onu's phantom tropes can be, I guess, described so succinctly is because he really is hard to write. I, I find that writing Onu is, is really difficult because he doesn't have a strong kind of personality trait about him. Like, I don't want to write a character based on the fact that he's a gigantic dick, or write a character <laughs> based on the fact that he loves chicken. That can only go so far. It's Are so you sad. okay? Because so, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's so sad when people do that and try to multi-chapter that shit. Oh, it's hard. And sometimes it's even worse when they combine both of them. Oh, yeah, I have a gigantic dick, and I love chicken, too. Here, let me do you while I'm eating chicken. I'm like, no, I can't. This cannot work. No. No. No, I'm making, like, drowning dolphin noises right now. That has happened. I have read only a gigantic dick size chicken tiles oh. Jonkin's ass. I'm like, no. I can't, I can't breathe. No. I killed this. Lord, save us all. Okay, um, we need to move on. You need a moment. <laughs> we need to move on. Damn it, this podcast is already too long as it is. All right, let's finish this up by talking about shiny fanfics. 
and things we would like to see more of, less of in Shiny Thick. Obviously, because the Shiny members are real people, it's RPS, real people slash. Uh, honestly, the Shiny fandom was my first RPS. I read a, just a tiny bit of RPS in other fandoms before, but it was never really my jam. It was never really my jelly. I didn't really judge people who wrote it. But for me, I always felt a little invasive writing it myself, which is one of the reasons why I never really got into it. But then Shiny happened, and this is the way I think about RPS and K-pop. I really don't tend to equate the fanfic characters with the actual people. I think the actual people are like muses, in a sense. And one of the reasons why I think it was really easy for me to get writing for K-pop is that it was really easy for me to dissociate the character from the actual member because so much of K-pop already is based on a contrived fantasy and this prepackaged image. We've talked about the personalities of these members and everything like that, but how much of a person do you really know in K-pop? Because their image is a product. I totally agree. Or Shiny fandom was not my first Real People Slash, but it's my first fandom that I actually I wrote something for. And at the first time, I was thinking, why am I doing this? This is really creepy. But then the more I thought about it, I thought the image is something that's created by their company. So what we see is not even the real person. So this is completely fine if I write something like this. I think as Shiny has matured, we see more of the real people integrated into their image. But still, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how much of it is real. Because that's one of the things about fame, isn't it? It's because one's public image becomes public property in a way. Now, that doesn't mean I don't feel creepy writing RPS. No worries about that. I still definitely feel creepy about it. But with K-pop, I feel less creepy than I would if I was writing for another fandom. But even I have my limits. For example, we know the real name of Jonghyun's older sister. And in my fic, he usually does have an older sister. But I never use Jonghyun's Duna's real name. Because that to me is like crossing a line because she's not a public figure. In terms of writing for a non-Western fandom, honestly, most of the fandoms that I read in are, are based in Western cultures. Writing for a non-Western fandom, my personal advice is, yes, it is important that they're Korean. I think that is a very important part of their identity. But don't focus too intensely on making things authentically Korean, because that's when a lot of bad stuff like fan Korean happens. I agree. I also think that if they do want to incorporate some aspects of Korean culture in their stories, or they want to incorporate some non-Western cultures, they should do their research. Because the number of times I have stumbled on a Korean geisha fanfic is way too many. And in Korean culture, there were figures like geishas, but they were not called geishas. Geisha is a Japanese word. The word for the geisha-like figures in Korean history is um, giseng. And if people use the word giseng, I think it would fulfill the function of what they're trying to do in the fic. But sometimes there's a lot of cultural ignorance going on. And for people who haven't lived in Korea or aren't Korean themselves, I think it's easy not to notice but for people like me, I've been in Korea for a significant amount of time. Nothing makes me backpedal out of a fic more than prom. <laughs> Koreans don't have prom. What do Koreans do instead of prom? Nothing. They just study. 
to a lesser extent, what makes me backpedal out of fan fiction is usually fan Korean. And sometimes I've seen fan Korean plus fan Japanese in one story. What the fuck? It was just like, Jonghyun Oppa looks no more kawaii today. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I think I like broke my computer trying to get out of that one. It was just so bad. No, no. Thousand Are you all right? Are you all right? <laughs> I think I would have thrown up all over my keyboard. Oh! No, don't do that. Actually, there are certain words that, like, for example, I think if you drop oppa, or if you drop nuna or hyung, anyone who's watched Korean dramas, sometimes they see that those words don't get translated into older brother and older sister, because those words have an emotional resonance in Korean that they don't, if you just translate them directly into English. So there's certain Korean words that I think you can get away with. But yeah, if it's oppa, oppa, saranhae, jagia, I think I'll kill myself. Nomo, nomo, kawaii. <laughs> God. <laughs> so back to writing in a non-Western fandom. You can include Korean culture references. Just if you know you're not an expert in the culture, don't try to do what I call Koreify your story. Like, look at it and say, this needs to be more Korean. And throw in some, like, Korean terminology or things that you just read on Wikipedia. If you feel secure in your knowledge about the culture, I think that you have leeway to go write about it. It's just for most people, I would say, just make it kind of vague. But I also don't really love stories in which they, when it's not like a fantasy or like extreme AU in which the entire world is different and they just displace the shiny members from Korea to like America, that also makes me uncomfortable in a way. Because I feel like that would change their identity so much. But let's talk about things we would like to see more of in shiny fic. Bitch, the first thing you wrote on this Google Doc for more of is gangbangs! <laughs> I did that as a joke. Because I wrote the what underneath it. <laughs> but this is no lie. B is the one who's constantly, like, pestering me about tentacle fic. Every time I email her or message her about, oh, I'm writing blah blah blah, her immediate response is, is there porn yet? <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't understand because I think recently in the shiny fanfic world, there's more porn than ever. Yes, but half of the fun for me is just to bother you. <laughs> <laughs> I need plot with the porn, okay? I can't just, like, appease you and put all the dicks in all the holes, alright? You don't you, you... That's true. <laughs> But in terms of things that I would like to see more in fic, I especially love girly. Girly is what we call shiny as girls. Because what happened once is that they dressed up as girls. And we mentioned this, that that was the first time where everyone realized that Taemin really, really, really looks like a chick if he tries. But when they dressed up and did this little skit where they are all pretending to be Korean schoolgirls, they also all got Korean girl names. Like Mino is Minjung and Onyu is... Unso, which actually made my friend super uncomfortable when I mentioned that because that's apparently the name of her mom. Ki is Kibun and Taemin is Taeyeon, uh, which is not that uncommon of a Korean girl name. Jonghyun was Jonghee. Jonghee. Oh, I love Jonghee. I make fun of Jonghyun fans and Jonghyun so much, but if Jonghyun was a girl, I would love her to pieces. It's like one of those weird gender switcheroo situations in which everything that he does now that is douchey, 
I would not mind at all if he was a girl. <laughs> I second that thing for Girly. As much as I brag on Minro, I love Minjung. Minjung would be hot. <laughs> so hot. Minjung would be hotter than I think Mino is. Minjung would be the very conventional Korean beauty, but she would be like really tall with the long, straight black hair, just that waterfall of really dark, inky black hair. And then she would have the big deer eyes. She would be so pretty. I mentioned this to B before, but I have this fantasy Minjung story in which Minjung really wants to play soccer, but her parents won't let her because she's a girl, and then she becomes a Korean Air flight attendant, which for anyone who's ever flown Korean Air, you know that Korean Air flight attendants are really beautiful and immaculate. And the thing about Minjung is that she can't date anyone because she's so beautiful and so like perfect looking that no guys will ever approach her. So basically, she spends all her off time with her gay roommate, Ki, who, like, paints her nails while she drinks beer and yells at soccer matches on TV. <laughs> Could someone else write this story for me? Because we both want it. We both want Minjung so much. We both love Girly. So by far, one of the worst things about reading shiny fanfic is the amount of locked fic and also the amount of deleted and purged live journals. It was actually really tragic for us to go and find fic wrecks because a lot of the stories which we really, really loved simply don't exist online anymore. While I understand that a lot of people have decided that they don't want their stories to be up any longer because of personal reasons. It's really depressing to go look for something you read, I don't know, like two, three years ago, thinking, oh, this is the best story ever. And then the anguish when you realize it's there anymore. I understand authors disappearing because that happens in every fandom I've been in. Sometimes people just age out of a fandom. But what I don't understand is more than any other fandom that I've been in, the amount of locked fic for porn is crazy. I'm just like, shiny fandom, own up to the smut. No one in Supernatural fandom is going to be locking their smut. We're going to just spread it around like confetti. Oh my god. I also want to point out the number of fics that are posted to public LJ communities, like Replay, they are posted there and it's public for maybe like 24 hours and then it's locked. And I'm just like, why? People who do that fuck you so hard because I hate joining other people's fanfic reading community or whatever because I feel like one of the reasons why you write it is that you share it with people, right? And it defeats the purpose if you're just gonna lock it. I really don't want to be friends with some of these people because not only do you get the fix sometimes, you get all the personal crap and I don't really care about you. This sounds terrible. You are terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> but it's just a really, really hard thing about reading shiny fanfic. For example, there was this story which B and I both love, 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 but the one chapter with the porn in it is locked. And I'm just like, what the hell? Why would you do this to us? It's like dangling the carrot in front of us and then slamming the door in our faces. Why would you do this? Well, you do that to me too, so shh. But I don't lock my... F you know what? I haven't written porn yet, but it's going to happen in the future. It's certain. It's like Ragnarok, the end of times. But one day when I do, I'm not going to lock it. Because I feel if you have adult content, that LJ warning should be enough. My personal feelings why there's so many locked fanfics in Shiny is because they were underage for a while. So now the actual members are older and... 
you know, in the beginning, it's RPS, and we talked about the inherent creepiness of RPS. But I'm like, when you want to write the fic, just write the fic. Don't write the fic in the corner in shame. The one thing I would I can think of as to why people locked fics is that, like, just as Shiny were really young when they debuted, a lot of these fans were also that young. Like, they kind of grew up with Shiny. So they kind of lock their fix down there because they think, oh, I don't want my mom stumbling in on my porn involving these two Korean guys putting things into each other's butts. That's really awkward, and I don't think I would ever want to have that conversation with my parents. That would not go well. But I've been in other fandoms as well that are way dirtier. There are a lot of underage crazy things that happen in Harry Potter fandom, but I don't remember it having the proportion of locked fic that Shiny does. I think people are getting better about not locking their fic, but there was definitely a time period where locked fic was kind of the norm. Shiny fandom. Here's my PSA to Shiny fandom. Be proud of your porn. I mean, just like... (laughs) Own it, okay? I just, the lockstick thing just infuriates me to no end. And as much as we like to moan and complain about lockstick and other kinds of mishaps in the shiny fanfic world, we actually do need to get onto Rex because B and I have very different reading styles. As I said, I'd like to use other sites that Rexic for me, whereas in B is very brave and will go out there and fetch back fic that, I don't know, sometimes you're like that golden retriever that, like, you know, goes after the stick and then you bring back a dildo and I have to deal with that. Hey, I discovered your stories by doing that. Oh, God, my stories are the dildo. Oh, by the way, all of these wrecks don't have any locked parts to them and all of them are finished. Because we've already been through a lot, and we don't want the rest of you to go through the pain and misery that we have suffered. So we're only going to give you finished, unlocked, shiny fic. Yes, and I've definitely been guilty of abandoning stories. Cough, cough. I don't even want to talk about the status of my stories. Let's just get on. Let's just get on to our wrecks. I'll go first. One of the fics that I want to wreck is actually an unusual choice for me. It's called Amygdala, and it's by The Interval. This is a Zhongho story. Zhongho would be Zhonghyun and Mino. And they have a really wonderful relationship in real life in which they're total bros. But I usually have no desire to read about them in a romantic context. But I like this one because it's dark. And it has sort of a serial killer time in, which I, you know, I can't resist the siren call of that. So the basic premise of this story is that Jonghyun is friends with Taemin, and Jonghyun is a fire starter. He's a little bit of a pyro. He likes to burn things, and this gets him in trouble. And he sees Mino, who is his psychiatrist or counselor, about his fire starting problems. I like this fic because it's the kind of fic that I could never write. I like to read things that I just go, damn, because I could never really go this dark. It is rated NC-17, and the author actually posted the genre as psychological suspense and humor. I don't know that... Yes, the humor kind of took me by surprise. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) Definitely. But it's well-written, and the story is compelling because you just want to find out why Jonghyun starts these fires. And as the story progresses, you wonder if Mino is actually helping him or not. I really, really love the role of Taemin in this story because that's when things get really fucked up. I don't want to spoil it for you, but if you're curious, you should check this fic out. 
Okay, so the story that I read is called "Learning to Let Go." It is a Minho and Key story. I don't normally wreck Minki. I don't really see them in a romantic sense. I see them in a my best friend is annoying and I hate him kind of frenemies. But what I really liked about the story is one, it's an AU. It's a story where Mino is a photographer who is mourning after the death of his fiance. He's in a depression, and Jonghyun is his best friend. Decides that he needs to go out and not hole himself up in his apartment, and so he takes him to a cabaret show where he meets Ki, the supreme diva queen prostitute person. Prostitute person. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Um, yes, but Ki is the supreme diva. And there's something about Ki that draws Minho out of his shell, so he starts spending more time with him, and they develop a romance. There's definitely smut in this, but I re- I like the romantic aspects of it over the smut. I, d- I can hear Dubu laughing at me so quietly because I'm not laughing. But, I'm just gonna sit in dubious silence. I like the romantic aspect of this, of how two completely different people can fall in love, and the kind of problems that they go through, like with their, I guess, their professions and what their goals are for life. My one of my favorite parts of the story is Boa, who is a legendary K-pop star in their company and in the industry. She's a goddess. She is a goddess. She makes a cameo as an art director. Uh, she and Mino are really good friends in real life, but he gets really jealous and he acts snippy. But then he realizes that oh, this woman is really important. She owns like half of the, the city's art galleries, and he's silently fuming. And Mino, that scene is really funny to me because it's something that I can imagine happening in real life. <laughs> It's actually, it's a chapter story. I think it's about ten chapters. They're pretty meaty chapters, too. It's, I think, my favorite Minky story because there's so much going on. And it's such a good piece of syncretism. I don't have any Minky wrecks, but I have to say that Minky friendship is one of my favorite things to have in a story. Just because those are two of the members who have very interesting chemistry. Like you said, frenemies. I love them as frenemies. Give me all the frenemy Minky. I don't care about this romance stuff. You just like hate fucking. I like frenemies. I don't know what this hate fucking is. Right. So the next story I'm gonna write is a Jonghee story. That would be Jonghyun and Ki. I have to say, probably in the early years of Shiny's careers, Jonghee I think was the most popular pairing for a really long time. I think Jonghee is still very popular, but it like dominated the shiny fanfic world in the beginning. And one of the reasons why is just because Jonghyun and Ki get along really well, and they have a lot of natural chemistry with each other. I'm trying to think of how I can explain why I like Jonghee so much and why it's my favorite pairing in shiny. I think what I really like about Jonghee is we talked about Jonghyun being the romantic, the person who really believes in true love and all that jazz, and then we talked about Ki and his armor. I just really love the idea of Jonghyun pursuing Ki and trying to get him to believe in true love as well. <laughs> it's like trying to win over a cynic, and not to mention they're absolutely hilarious together. They're really snippy. I think they're a really fun couple to work with, which is one reason why I like to write them as well as read them. This story that I'm gonna wreck, however, is not a funny story. It's my favorite Jonghee story ever written, and it surprises me because it is an AU in a sense. But unlike most of the AUs that I read, they are still shiny members in this world. 
the story is called Where It's Lost, It's Found. It actually is a prequel to another amazing fanfic called When Life Happens. Both of these are by Reed, who writes under the account Losing Places. What I love about this fic is that it hurts in a very good way, and there's a lot of sad things about it, but there's like a wistful hopefulness at the end that just really attracts me. Basic premise of the story is that Jonghyun's cell phone disappears. Of course, he would do this, but it's implied basically there were some compromising photos or videos of Jonghyun and Ki in Jonghyun's cell phone. And so what happens, obviously, is that these clips go viral and they get fired from SM. And the reaction of the other members is, you see, I would be really disappointed if they were just like, oh, I totally support you, blah, 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 because it wouldn't feel very real to me. Because that's one of the hard things about being a K-pop group is when they're shit, it spreads around, especially when it hits the fan in such a dramatic way. So things get really, really bad, and it feels kind of painfully realistic because Korea is definitely not very open-minded towards um, homosexuality. But if things went down, it would sort of go down like this. But again, as I said, what I really like about the Jonghyun key pairing is Jonghyun has this kind of romanticism about him. In the fic, he attempts to convince Ki that what they have is not just like a dalliance, that they should work for it, even though they've basically been shunned by everything else and kicked out of basically what they've worked all their lives for. Now, all of that sounds super mega depressing, right? But as I mentioned, it ends on a hopeful note. And if you read the sequel called When Life Happens, When Life Happens talks about Jonghyun and Ki's life after the shitstorm of their scandal when they move to another country and try to restart their lives. And When Life Happens has some really beautiful writing in it. Before each section of the story, it has a timestamp, and then it has a short description of a Polaroid. And these descriptions of the Polaroids are just really beautiful. I really wish I could write like this author. She, she or he, not exactly sure about that, writes just in such a really lovely lyrical way. She manages to make things hurt in a very exquisite way. Nobody dies! That's the only thing I will say about it in case I've made this fanfic sound too depressing. It's great. Okay, so my next story is another AU. You'll start seeing a pattern here. I love my AUs. It's called Baseless Desires. It's a Jonghee Ho story. So it's Jonghyun times Ki times Mino. This story is something I would like to see more in Chinese fandom. It's, it's not a nice story. It's slightly dark, but a lot of it's, it's subtle darkness. It's slightly based on Dorian Gray. Laura, the writer, has such a simple yet elegant way of writing it. It just reads very easily, but it's still very expressive. It's a story where Mino moves into a town to live with his aunt because his family is going through a bit of financial troubles. So he moved in He moved in with her because she's wealthy and he wants to continue his education. But because she is wealthy, she has all these parties she attends. And she, Mino meets Jonghyun and Ki there, two very rich young men with seemingly not a care in the world. And this is the direct opposite of Mino, who is you know, stressed about his education, stressed about his family, stressed about his freedom. And then it all goes downhill once you get to the actual Dorian Gray part. And what I like about this is that it starts out very dark. It starts out with, I think, uh, Jonghyun's sister or something getting her legs broken. 
And it just, bottom line, I enjoyed the story because it's dark. It's a very fresh twist on the Dorian Gray. And you should read it because it's an OT3. <laughs> it's the only OT3 story I, we have linked here because I'm terrible. <laughs> well, we have to have some variety, so... The next story I'm going to wreck, it's called The Name I Loved by Chiharu. And on top of loving Jonki, I think Jonki will be my ride together, die together OTP. I have more recently developed such a soft spot for Onho, which is Onyu Mino, but it's also known as Dubuo, which is one of my favorite ship names. The Name I Loved, it's a post-shiny disbandment fic, but it's an amicable disbandment. All the other shiny members go their separate ways, and they're brought back together because of their 10th anniversary. So they're going to release an album of their greatest hits. But the thing is, Jingi, which is Onyu's real name, he's really hard to find. I really love the way that they write Onyu in this story because, like we said, Onyu is a little bit of enigma and they keep that aspect of him in the story. The things that Onyu goes on and does in this story fits with the characterization that I have in my head where he's a little kooky and he's a little bit offbeat. But what's lovely is you get the sense that that's part of the reason why Mino likes him. And so this is a happy fic, and it's PG-13, no porn, sorry B, but it's just one of my favorite Onho fics. And Onho's not one of the more popular pairings, and it's even harder to find written well, because as we've mentioned, Onyu is a character that's really hard to write well. But this one is very sweet, it's very well written, it's just so lovely, in all the ways I like Onho to be lovely. Onho is the couple that, it kind of balances my love for Jonki, whereas I feel Jonki, one of the things that's great about them is that they probably would fight a lot, but they make up at the end of the day. Onho is a much quieter couple. Okay, the last fic that I will recommend, it's actually fairly new, it's called Deciduous. It's by Lene for Shiny Big Bang. It is a Minho-centric story where Minho is a lone kind of hermit living in the middle of the forest. And he finds these two feral teenagers one day, half-starving and near death. And so he takes them back to his house and he nurses them back to health. What I really like about the story is that there's not a lot of dialogue, but it's all description and a lot of observations by Minho to see how they are adapting to living not in the wilderness. And it's so fluffy and so cute. When I read this the first time during the contest, I was grinning so hard because it's sad, but also very hopeful in that Minnow is healing from tragic backstory. I don't remember what his backstory was. And you see Taemin and Ki growing out of their shells and becoming more and more healthy and also lively. And I think one of my favorite scenes is when they were learning how to use the bath. And it's really adorable because they are like wild ferrets running around confused, wondering why the water's really <laughs> warm. It's really cute. I don't want to do any spoilers, but the ending was great. Was not expecting that. I think that's one of the things why I like it so much, is that you have this immensely adorable, fluffy roller coaster ride, and then BAM! Ending. I'm not, no spoilers, you have to read it to get what I'm talking about, but it's great. Alright, I have one last rec before we finish up. It's also Onho's story. It's called Royal Game of India, and it's by Fezira. I think that's how you pronounce her name. This is a sci-fi AU in which the shiny members are in stasis pods on the spaceship. They're getting sent somewhere, but then Mino's stasis pod breaks through some accident or something like that. So he wakes up the leader of the mission, which is Onyu, 
and the thing is, there's only five stasis pods, and one of them is broken. So Onu offers to let Mino sleep in his. But the problem is, they still have another eleven and a half months until they reach their destination. So Onu and Mino, instead of one of them going to the stasis pod, just decide to like stick it out and spend eleven and a half months together on this spaceship. But what you really need to know about this fic is that Onu gives Mino a dog bot, and they name the dog bot Zhong. And that's basically the reason why you should read this fic. It's just come on, guys, dog bot. So let's finish up this podcast. I'm sure you've tired of us rambling. We're gonna do our final pitch about the perks and pitfalls of being in the shiny fandom. Let's get all the pitfalls out of the way first, so we can focus on all the good at the end.、Uh, actually, one of the biggest pitfalls, which we have not mentioned at all in this podcast, is in Korea there is mandatory military service for all Korean male citizens, which means that the boys eventually will have to go to the army for a little bit over two years, and that's really sad because there's only five members. That's gonna be the end of Shiny, in my opinion, because that that has happened to a lot of K-pop groups. That's one of the saddest things about standing male K-pop groups is that because they're time sensitive in a way. But I'm pretty sure we have at least five years before the boys start going into the army. Onyu is like 24, 23. He has a good five years before he has to head off into the army. Another pitfall about Shiny is that they're not always together as a group. Sometimes there's only four of them performing on stage because one of them is off filming for some other random show, or one of them is off doing musical performances. And so, as a fan, that's one of the saddest things you could see because you traveled all this way to see them, but there's only four out of five members, or even sometimes three out of five of the members there. It's just not quite the same when when they're not complete. Granted, they are amazing and they can cover each other's parts when someone isn't around. But it really isn't the same. When I visited Korea, we actually got a chance to see Shiny. And at the time, Jonghyun was injured. He、uh, broke his nose at a, in a car accident, and we didn't see him at the recording. And I was really sad because I like that fool. But then Dubu got to see him. Got to see them as five at some other event. Right after I left, I was so upset. I just got lucky in that way. Another con of being in a K-pop fandom is just the language barrier and waiting for translations. Sometimes things don't translate well from one language to the other. As I've studied more Korean, this has become more and more obvious to me. So sometimes when someone says something strange, you might want to double check the original source. There are definitely reliable translators out there, but because of cultural and language barriers, sometimes people make mountains out of molehills. In my opinion, sometimes I find that translators don't provide a good context for the translation, as in why was this question asked or why do they phrase something a certain way? Since the context is lost, and if I read something, I think, huh, that it sounds really problematic, and then you know, fandom makes a gigantic mountain out of it. And then, it, and it isn't until like later on we realize, oh, but that it should have been translated this way instead with this kind of context. Also, another thing I find is that the international K-pop fandom cares so much about things that the Korean fandom doesn't give a shit about. It's vice versa too. Like Korean fandoms are like, oh my god, you're dating a girl. Oh yeah, definitely. International fans are like, get it. <laughs> Another thing is plastic surgery is especially prevalent in K-pop, so you basically have to cross your fingers and pray that they don't do something to your bias's face. Plastic surgery is basically an open secret in K-pop. Few will fess up to it, but everyone knows people are getting it done all the time. I think in Shiny, 
Mino, Taemin, and Onu. Not exactly positive about Onu yet because some of the pictures might just be angles. But definitely Mino and Taemin, their noses have changed. I think they got fillers. Although, like, this is kind of horrible for me to say. I think Mino is beautiful and all that. But I think Mino has the best nose job in SF. <laughs> he had more of a koala nose before, which I also did love. But it also pisses me off a little bit because I'm not going to buy more albums because his nose is more aquiline or, or sharper. And Taemin had more of a hook nose before, right? We think it's yeah. fillers because their nose <laughs> tends to change shape every few months. And fillers are only a temporary thing. But what we're really glad is that none of them seem to have gotten extensive plastic surgery. But we're not saying that this could never happen because stupid SM likes to tamper around with their artists' faces. The biggest pitfall is, is if a DBSK happens. And I say this as a huge OT5 complete DBSK fangirl for like four or five years. And it's the most heartbreaking thing because after all these years of devotion and we're a team, we love each other, we're going to be together forever. They break up because of contract disputes. And all the dirt and all the, the press about it is just heartbreaking. And it's really not quite the same to fan over a group that used to be five is now two and three. It's just something that I don't want to go through again. It was immensely tragic and scarring, and I'm still sad about it. No, a lot of people still are. When Dongbang Shingi broke up, the biggest ship in Dongbang Shingi split. <laughs> I don't care about the ship, I just care about the harmonies. Oh yeah, Dongbang Shingi also had really great singers as well. In case B was a little incoherent, what happened was Dongbang Shingi broke up because of contract disputes with SM, and three of the members left, leaving two of the members with the company, and this happened in 2000. Eight. I, no. no, no, not 2008, like 2009, I think. We don't think Shining's gonna break up, but nobody thought Dongbang Shingi was gonna break up too, so that is the absolute worst case scenario. It's a risk you have to take when you stand a K-pop group. But there are so many perks as well. One thing is, we talked about all those crazy comebacks and how they come back so quickly. So they have these insane bursts of activity. Imagine if One Direction released like three albums in one year. Especially with shinies, because the things that they wear and the way they're styled has such a strong concept behind it. There's always new tropes and images to play with. Like we talked about this time, they have like church lady hats and military fetish outfits. And in Ring Ding Dong, they went off Dark Angel for some reason. Shiny is very strong in the visuals. Shiny also has amazing fan art as a result. Another reason why getting into Shiny is such a great idea is because of the full throttle gay, which we have previously mentioned. So far, have we know, Mino and Jonghyun have actually kissed. We'll throw up that link. <laughs> because yeah. Mino... Yes, they have. Because Mino was totally asking for it, and Jonghyun did not mind giving it to him. And also things like Jonghyun and Ki eating the same Pocky stick together and making us all crazy. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Another great thing about Shiny is you will find the most HD photos you have ever seen in your entire life. Shiny's Korean fans... Even compared to the other K-pop groups, they're known for the insane HD-ness of their photos. They're actually called Canon Camera Nunas because their zoom lenses on their cameras are so insane. They actually look like Canons. And so they have some of the best photos in the business. So if you really want to decorate your Tumblr with beautiful Korean men, this is definitely the fandom to get into. And I think B and I would both have to say that one of the best parts of being part of K-pop fandom is just that the fandom is so fun. Rainbows every day. It's just such a great place to meet new people and to make friends. With K-pop, I've met a lot of people from 
all around the world because it's an international fandom, even though, of course, it has a lot of fans in Asia. Actually, there's a lot of K-pop fans in Latin America and South America, and there's a lot of European fans as well. So you meet a really interesting variety of people, I would have to say. And K-pop is one of the things that brought me and B together because of our mutual love of sparkly Korean boys. It's a love story waiting to happen, basically. It's a Korean drama waiting to happen, okay? One of us has to get canceled, the other one has to be blinded somehow. <laughs> then it'll be a Korean drama. I'll be sure to blind myself in the future and think of you. Okay, I'll have cancer. Although, judging from the fic that you read, I think you're more likely to blind yourself. Actually, no, I just have eye cancer. It's good. <laughs> Kill two birds with good. one cancer. Yes, okay, you, you can be the, the crazy mother-in-law. All right. About that. That is not too far from real life. So, one of the last things we're going to leave you with is links, in case you got so curious because of all our K-pop shop talk. Uh, now, Shani has been on a lot of variety shows, and they've had their own shows like Hello Baby, which we've mentioned many times. But Hello Baby is kind of aged. What I would really recommend you watch instead, if you want to get to know the Shiny members, is they did a travel show this year called One Fine Day. I'll put up a link to that with English subs. Another thing we're gonna link is Jonghyun and Taemin's Internet War performance. Have fun with that one, y'all. That one's pretty great. I recommend that. Two, Two thumbs up. <laughs> Two thumbs up from B. We're also going to link a performance by Jonghyun because we talked about Jonghyun's voice and how lovely it is. He was on this show called Immortal Song 2 where a bunch of K-pop idols and famous singers get together and cover famous Korean songs that are not necessarily K-pop songs. And he's singing a song called A Million Roses and he has some really great lives, but this is one of my favorites. I agree. It's actually, to this day, my favorite Jonghyun solo. After, um... That one fantastic song, I forgot the name it's of. It's Late? Uh, yeah, after It's Late, this was has been my uh, favorite solo song forever because the live performance is so good and it really shows how much he has grown as a artist. That's a really great performance because it's live. And one thing we didn't mention about K-pop is there's, there's a lot of lip syncing. But we tend not to mind that much of Shiny because of how rigorous their dance performances are. But they actually have some good lives. And another set of lives I'm going to recommend is it's a compilation of Onu singing Trot. And Trot requires a very specific sense of rhythm. And Onu's voice and rhythm is perfect for Trot. We also want to link to a fan video by a fan site named Cosmica. We've talked about how Korean fans are super dedicated in the, in the way that they produce packages. They take amazing photos. This fan site was a Taemin and Key fan site, and she produces the most beautiful videos. What's really sad is Cosmica just closed down this year. It was one of our favorite fan sites. And the reason why we want to wreck Cosmica in particular is just to show you the amount of HD that's pretty much the norm in shiny fandom. But also, uh, Cosmica was pretty famous in the fandom. We're pretty sure that the actual website mistress worked in video editing. But R.I.P. caused the cup because she was the best. R.I.P. Oh, R.I.P. I was, I was planning on buying something for her the next time she produced another photo book or something. But alas, I should have bought the key set when I had the chance. In K-pop, the fan-made merchandise is a zillion times better than anything that SM or the official companies can churn out. Cosmica was one of our favorite, so sad about that was, was one of our favorite fan sites. 
Another one we're gonna recommend is called One in a Million, and this one has been around、oh. for a really long time. One in a Million is a Jonghyun fan site, and the thing about the One in a Million web mistress is because she's been around for so long, Jonghyun recognizes her, and he always looks into her camera and waves hi at her, and she takes some of the most gorgeous pictures of that ass face I've ever seen. Speaking of that ass face, there's also a link of Jonghyun showing you his expertise in fan service. That is all I will say about this link. I dare you. You see why both of us hate him so much? Oh God, so many punches in the face. A person we would not like to punch in the face is Onyu, and we also have a link to the best shiny composed song ever. It's called the Bread Song, and it's part of that travel show that they did. Oni went to Thailand and just randomly out of the blue, he started singing this song that he composed, and it's the best song ever. It is wonderful. I want to make this my ringtone. It's so precious and adorable. The next link is an example of a fan chant, and this is when they sang "Ring Ding Dong." Two reasons why I want to throw up this video in particular is because everyone needs to be exposed to the ridiculousness of "Ring Ding Dong," so I needed to pick one of their performances, and this one is live. And in this video in particular, you can hear the fan chants really, really clearly. And another link I'd like to put up is a fandom wink entry. Fandom Wink is a website where people can post accounts of fandoms being crazy, and to no one's surprise, K-pop made its appearance there. What happened was during Sherlock era, people started tagging. We talked about those really uncomfortable Sherlock teaser images with the tag Sherlock because the new single is going to be called Sherlock. So what happened was K-pop fandom got into a fight with BBC Sherlock fandom over the use of this tag. Stupid, I know. But the reason why you should read this account is because of the way this wink was eventually resolved, which is basically some clever genius started tagging penises with the Sherlock tag. So both the BBC Sherlock fans and the shiny fans were distracted by penises and stopped fighting, and that is how world peace was achieved. We're gonna end our link section with two links of two shiny music videos. I personally recommend for anyone who's getting into shiny a music video called Dream Girl, which came out this year in springtime. It is such a fun poppy number, and it has these wonderful jangly guitars that totally get me in. But this is also the music video in which they use mic stands as props, so they're twirling around and jumping over mics, and it just is a great example to show you the color of a K-pop music video, but also the kooky fashion because they wear some wonderful blazers in this music video. I definitely want to buy some of these blazers, and they wear some really fun flower pants, which actually were really big in Korea around the time that this music video came out. But they also wear the terrible fashion, which Shiny is also well known for. If、pencil you, pants. Yeah. So there's Taemin's pencil pants, and there's some really objectionable shorts in this as well. But you get a very large spectrum of shiny fashion in this music video, and it's so fun. It really is a fun concept where they took the idea of dreaming and just ran with it. And I love the song as well. This is one of my favorite songs that they've released recently. And the music video that I would like to recommend is. Replay. Well, this music video doesn't have questionable fashion or mic stands or amazing blazers, 
The reason why I recommend this song is that this is their debut song. It, it holds a dear place in my heart because this song is timeless to me. It's a very laid-back R&B, quote-unquote, contemporary song. Very easy to listen to. The harmony, well, the harmony from Jonghyun, Onyu, and Ki is out of control because they sound so good and they were so young when, they, when this was produced. Also, the way the dance transitions between each formation and their um, teamwork, it's so smooth. A reason why, another reason why I want to bring this up is to see, it's just to show you how much these kids have grown in, what, four or five years of being in the industry. They went through puberty, but they also became so much more relaxed in their own skin and so much more assured in their performances. You get some interesting faces from Mino because you definitely did not know how to look in front of a camera and replay. And also you get to see the development of their own singing skills. Taemin's non-existent singing, Minho's awkward camera staring, and Jonghyun's gigantic nostrils. <laughs> okay. It's actually a good contrast to watch Replay and Dream Girl because one's a lot more recent and one was their debut song. And they've changed so much in style and appearance. So, that's it. <laughs> We've had a really fun time recording this. It was really fun talking to you, B. It's really fun talking to you, too. We should definitely chat more often. Maybe not, and maybe make some more podcasts, too. <laughs> <laughs> you and your evil laughter, uh, definitely. Although, uh, anyone who wants to make a podcast about XO, wink, wink. I'm not judge. touching that with a I'm not touching that I'm one, not touching but that at all. anyone who crazy. wants to make a podcast about XO, I definitely want to hear your side of the story. It, because XO has such a bad rep in the world of K-pop. There's also too, so many boys. <laughs> I don't even want to deal with that. It's too much effort. But the fandom, I think, is quite interesting. And, and it's quite interesting you mean by crazy. Hey, hey, hey. We're all on the SS crazy together. <laughs> um, they are in the front seat. I'm sitting in the back. <laughs> So that's it. I had a really fun time talking about this. And thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to Prue and M. Klutz for letting us spread our K-pop crazy on their podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this. And thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye. can imagine <laughs> yeah i feel like we're offering you know young children like meth <laughs> just like hey kids want some meth no basically i read a donkey where he had like six dicks of him in his butt i'm like how is that working <laughs> it's because you are dark no it's just like a really bad thing i'm like you do know that six of those things cannot go up there should they get, like, a gold star for trying that? Uh, no. You can't into a hospital for trying. <laughs> so I put, like, Vaseline on, not, no, yeah, and, um, no, no. Just <laughs> put Vaseline on the lid. That's gross. <laughs> Why did you think the Vaseline was gonna go? Not in my butt. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, we're gonna take that out. We went there. <laughs> But I think that he needs to have more to do than just be like a cum hole. And that's terrible. I should I shouldn't have said cum hole. I wrote gangbang in this in this document somewhere, so I am just as guilty as you are. <laughs> Instead of children, they should just have ferrets. <laughs> no. Ferrets smell.
Death by dick and chicken. <laughs> Ew. Fuck. That sounds like bestiality. Never mind. Because I'm just like, I might never see this again. What if I... What if you die tomorrow? Oh, no. What if Live Journal dies tomorrow and takes down everything? There goes my teenage years full of smut. Years oh. and years of smut I'll never find again when I you am You need born. one of those bracelets that says, in case of emergency, delete my hard drive. I... Yeah. <laughs> it's really disappointing when you see that you have a new comment on a fic, and instead of an actual comment, it just says first or spot. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Got excited for nothing. Next I- time you post something, I'm going to do that. <laughs> oh, God, I fucking hate you. Bring it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Once you enter into a podcast thing, you basically give up all your shame. 